what's it called? What's the, the show called? Uh, Han Solo Hip Hop Hour. <laughs> Four H's. <laughs> figured keep it simple. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're going to record for the Han Solo Hip Hop Hour. Yes, sir. For Hollywood. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Lot, lots of agents. <laughs> oh man, it feels good to be back. I missed you too. We'll get right into it. Trademark. Yo. Drop it. Feels like fall came early, dude. Weekend at Bergie's, episode 32. We surely do have another awesome show interview with Tom Quinlan. Come on, hands so low. Why your hands so low? Get your hands up. Trademark on the beat. Come on, stand up. Unless you're driving, however you are listening. Always happy to be in your ears visiting. You know the kid has been all over the map since I last had a chance to make a podcast. But once again, we back to drop a couple raps with thoughts of the past and have a couple laughs. Ha <laughs> ha! Every day, that's probably why my face hurts. By the way, hey, I just dropped Space First. My new record, highly recommend it. Want a CD? I'll happily send it. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll send it. Relentless. Love keeping busy is where burglar, uh-huh, yup, that is he. Not dizzy, but I'm a macaroni rascal. Crashing in your castle, rap Eddie Haskell. Knocking on your door when you least expect. From the east to the west, Toronto, Quebec. So many great people that I met this year. I hope you download and hope it comes clear. Oh, my dear. Great to be back with you. And after this, I'll uh, go read some back issues. Yeah, 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 that, that is true. Yeah, how do you do? <laughs> Yo, we got at Bergies. I'm Word Burglar. How are you? It is definitely good to be back. As you may know, I've been touring all over since we dropped the last episode uh, in Japan with Ginsu. Shout out my man Ginsu in triplicate. In that time, I've had a lot of adventures. Seattle, Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary, Winnipeg, Halifax, Moncton, Cleveland, Cincinnati, New York, Philadelphia, Toronto. Playing a lot of shows, meeting a lot of you, eating cool stuff. It's been amazing. Wow. Had to take a break from this podcast, but uh, there have been some episodes of Do You Still Like This Movie? Let me just get this beat queued up. Mm. Yeah, the good people love this record. Definitely go check that out. Tracks called Headphones. Mm. Ha! Let me get my levels down here. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, so do you still like this movie, the podcast that I also do? That's been coming out. It is going to resume in October, and uh, I hope you will tune into that. There's a lot of good movies and fun guests coming up on that one. Also, uh, you know, I, it's not like I haven't been doing anything. On top of touring, I, uh, I kind of snuck out this new album, Space Verse. Just dropped on Bandcamp. It'll be available on all other digital platforms as of September 13th. So I hope you, I hope you go check it out. For those who don't know, it's a concept album set around like space and sci-fi stuff. And, you know, things I love with influences from Star Wars, Transformers, Visionaries, for those who might know that, Robotech, Star Trek, Hitchhiker's Guide, Doctor Who, and just, yeah, general sci-fi space craziness. So even if you don't like any of that other stuff, there's... There's some sweet, sweet remixes on there. Um, there's the Bix one uh, with Cool Keith and Mega Ran. Uh, some more or less and Swamp Thing remixes. Beat Mason did a crazy remix of Dude, Where's My Ad At At? And just tons of great jams by Fresh Kills, Bix, Peter Project, Milk Plus, Diagnostic 80 came through. Oh my gosh, uh, they, everybody crushed it. 
B-Nuts, DJ Irate, Uncle Fester, more or less came through with the cuts. And there's tons of superstar rap appearances from Les and Swamp Thing and Touch, Mega Ran, Ghetto Socks, XOC, Rift, you know it's all good. So yeah, I, I really do appreciate your support. And if you need the CD, you can just email me, wordberg at gmail.com or weekend at burgies at gmail.com. Or just go to Bandcamp and type in Word Burglar Space Verse, and you'll find it. Ha! <sighs> yeah. In other podcast news, uh, I've, I've been on a few lately. Diagnostic 80, who, on, on top of being just a really dope producer, he had me on his podcast, The Full Force. We chatted about Space Verse and got uh, a lot of, into like the details and behind-the-scenes stuff of, of, on Broke Down, all the tracks. Go check that out, the Full Force podcast. MC Lars had me on his podcast when I was in New York. That was a great episode. DJ Stormageddon just had me on his podcast. Crash Chords, autographs, uh, all really nice, in-depth interviews. And I think they're all real different. So if you want to hear some more behind-the-scenes kind of stories and conversations with me, uh, go check them out, you know? So uh, thanks for having me on those, guys. That was fun. The tour stuff has been incredible, and I'm going to save all the tour stories for next episode, which will be here way sooner than this one, I promise, so stay tuned for that. Do you still like this movie? Like I said, that's going to be coming back on a monthly schedule starting in October, so please uh, subscribe to those and tell your friends about it. Give us a little, uh, give us a little mention on those, on those sites and... You know, they always say, oh, you know, review the podcast or, or give it a little rating. Well, that that does help other people find us, so we appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, in terms of shows, I'm going to be in New York City for two shows with Cybertronics Free, Friday, October 4th, and Saturday, October 5th at the Mercury Lounge in New York City. That's going to be crazy. I really hope to see you there. It's the same weekend as New York Comic Con. So if anyone has an extra pass, please let me know. I'd love to go check it out. And uh, and I was sleeping and, and didn't get registered in time for that. So that'd be nice. Um, this is this is a really big episode. And I kind of just want to hop into the main event because we've got a lot, a lot of stuff packed in. Thomas Quinlan is here of Han Solo Records. And this is a gentleman I'm sure some of you know. Han Solo has, they've got, they got to be the longest running Canadian indie rap label of all time. Since the mid-90s, Tom has been releasing obscure, unknown, unique underground rap on CD, vinyl, cassettes, digitally, of course. Uh, similar to many artists, like he gave me a break on one of the bat- Basements of Batman compilations. I was on volume two. Very raw, very rough early stuff. Uh, he put out some of my earliest solo material in the mid-2000s. And my first, I, I guess it would be, I guess it's my first official album, uh, Burglaritis, in 2006. Uh, everything else before that, I kind of consider kind of like demo-y, rough stuff. And Burglaritis was the one that I thought, okay, this is, this is kind of the first real album. Uh, so he put that out, and uh, he's also released like early material from Mocha Only, Buck 65, 62, Joe Ron Classified, Gortsky, Tachichi, Epic, like so many different people. Um, and he's got a really solid roster of artists right now, including uh, friends of the podcast, and more or less Touch and Ultra Magnus, and they're friends of mine too. Just, you know, I don't want to give the podcast that much credit, okay? Podcast, I made friends for you. <laughs> but yeah, he puts out a, a lot of great records. And 
This interview came together because Tom had asked me to co-host the Han Solo Hip Hop Hour for DJ Hollywood's Break North Radio 24-Hour Hip Hop event. Uh, wow, and that took place a couple weeks back, and uh, it seemed like a great excuse to just get him on the mic for a longer uh, podcast and a, a nice, a, you know, a meaty chat to hang out for a weekend. And uh, you know, if you're interested in that uh, H H H H H H, which is really uh, fun, Les did uh, some great mixes on that. Tom and I got into some stuff that's not on this podcast. Uh, you can go check that out; it's available right now. So look up Break North Radio and DJ. Hollywood, and you will find that. Uh, Yeah, so lots of good stuff to get in your ears, but stick around for this first, because Tom stuck around, and we had a great talk about his history with Han Solo, Canadian hip-hop, some of our secret history, and some pretty cool stories that you may not have heard, and uh, he may not have ever even talked about, so, hmm, interesting. It's a deep, long, weird, wild ride, so buckle up. Uh, plus, after the interview, we're going to play a whole bunch of hidden gems from the Han Solo catalog, including some vinyl-only stuff that we dug up. Shout out uh, Jesse Dangerously, of course, who helped me uh, find some stuff. And uh, yeah, I'm never going to give enough plugs to that Library Steps record, Jesse. I, you know I love that record. So you guys, if you didn't get that yet, go get that on Han Solo Records. Go get everything on Han Solo Go get your ears into this interview with Thomas. He's an awesome, awesome person and uh, has done so much for Canadian hip-hop. And I, uh, I'm honored to know him. And we do the $5 rap show together with more or less on a fairly regular basis. So I get to see Tom a lot, but it's rare that we get to sit down, just the two of us, and have uh, have a, just a chill chat and dig, dig uh, deep in the crates. So... Without further ado, here we go. Weekend at Bergie's 32 with Tom Quinlan of Han Solo Records. Probably my favorite type of beverage. Really? Yeah. Cola is your favorite beverage. Mm-hmm. Um, I used to drink a lot of Pepsi, but I don't even know, like... Too sugary. Um, not as carbonated. Oh, you I find think. less carbonation. Yeah, well, I like Coke because it's... I feel like it's um, possibly burning my throat. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is used but, to clean drains, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I know that it's taking a layer of skin off while it's like going down. That's like any uh, any addictive substance. Well, I've, yeah. I, it, I like it because it feels like it's destroying my yeah, body. I feel like it's doing me harm. <laughs> <laughs> the harm is so good. Yeah, I, I feel like that's also why I like barks. It just, you know, it's got that bite. You drink it, and it's like, okay, my throat. Uh, it's probably all new flesh now. Yeah. Perfect. I love lime pop. Like, lime crush is mm. my favorite, and it's so hard to find. But on the odd, every now and then you'll see it. It comes back for, like, a summer promotion. <laughs> lime crush is back. You I've talked cases. about it on the podcast before. Yeah, but last time I got some, they only ca- it only came in, like, the tall cans, like those super, oh. like, instant diabetic cans. The, the opposite of our mini cans that yeah. we're <laughs> yeah, currently <exactly>. enjoying. <laughs> yeah. For the uh, listeners at home, we're enjoying mini cans of cola <laughs> here because the older you get, the smaller your cans of pop. <laughs> <laughs> I can't drink so much now. <laughs> but, yeah, you can only get these giant cans of the Lime Crush when they came out, and you get them at the gas station. And it was too much. I had, like, two sips, and the sugar rush to my brain was just, it was absolutely uh. nuts. I'll let you have that sip. 
It's all good. (laughs) (laughs) It is all good. Thomas Quinlan of Han Solo Records here at Weekend at Bergie's. Finally in. We got so much to talk about. I'm so glad you could come over. How's it going, man? It's going great. Thank you very much for having me over. It's uh, awesome to see your place for once. (laughs) The secret Bergie. Yeah, it's like uh, you've always tried to keep me out of this part of your life. (laughs) (laughs) I think you purely business, no personal, sir. We go back a long time. I was just yeah. thinking about this before uh, you, you got here. I feel like I first met you in Halifax at DJ Moves' place on Agricola, and I was still in high school, I think, and you were doing something for, was it Vice Magazine or Exclaim? Do you know what I'm talking about? <coughs> um, you had to interview Puff Daddy or something. Uh, oh, that time. <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah, I remember that it was, uh, I think um, when I was there and we met, it was probably, was it, I uh, can't remember who was recording now, um, but I think someone was recording at Moves. Um, and yeah, it was like I had been scheduled a, uh, an interview to do with Puff Daddy for, I think it was Watch Magazine, but I'm not 100% sure anymore. It was like a, uh, a magazine that goes into uh, high schools across Canada, and I don't think it exists anymore. Uh, got me some really good interviews, but it was a pretty terrible magazine. Yeah, and didn't you have, you got a phone number where you called... Puff Daddy. Yeah. And did Mace answer or something? Or um, something crazy like that? No, it was... Uh, I can't remember who answered. I, it was probably just his publicist or somebody there. Um, and then I ended up yeah, de- talking to, uh, to Puff Daddy. Um, at that time, though, um, I was very... very underground and whatnot, I guess. And, like, kind of um, combative, maybe. I don't know <laughs> if that's the word I want to use. But, um, you know, <clears throat> so... My, my opportunity no, to kind of like to ask some stuff. You're well, like yeah, bumping I mean, Mystic Journeyman, and then you have to go interview yeah, Puff Daddy. Yeah, like, exactly. A a <laughs> and I, I mean, honestly, in most cases, I, I would try to, um, yeah, like I've interviewed a lot of people who I don't normally maybe like musically, uh, but um, in this case, I guess, it was just, it was Puff Daddy. And I mean... That was at the height of everyone he, really hating Puff yeah, Daddy, right? At yeah. least the underground scene. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, he was just the completely the opposite of what yeah. I would want rap music to be, and, and so I think um, I was just yeah questioning him a lot of things about like I think the thing that actually was finally what you're talking about that got really weird was when um, I think I might have asked something about Mace and, and possibly about like whether. Um, he was ruining hip hop or something, uh, st- something like that. Like basically, I was getting into the idea that, like you know, there was maybe a lack of creativity, probably not really in those exact words. Um, and the publicist who had been, I guess, listening on the other line, uh, cut the interview off and told me it was over. So I guess he didn't like my uh, my controversial questions. That's so amazing, though, and the fact. Yeah. And I remember, and I was like, this guy is for real. Like I, I, you were on the phone with. <laughs> Arguably the biggest hip hop person at the yeah. time, and, and I, you're like, tell you know, you're just coming to him with these real questions. You're not kissing up to him. Mm-hmm. You're not asking him all this other stuff. Well, I think the problem though is uh, like, if you do start getting into those kind of things, you um, like for something like say uh, Entertainment Tonight or whatever, uh, if they start asking stuff like that, then what you're going to have is like that label is going to stop 
sending the people there to do, like to be interviewed. Um, so you'll end up losing a lot of those kind of things. Like uh, also for Watch Magazine, um, <clears throat> I think uh, there was a review that I did for something that was not a very good review. And uh, I think that at that point, they stopped sending like the music from that label. Uh, we were no longer getting it after that. Um, so, you know, I guess they'd rather just not have a bad review than any review at all. Yeah, and that's how it is now, and that's the big thing we worry yeah. about these days in media. I mean, you look at politicians or anything else like that without without getting too far off what we're, yeah. we're here to ch hang <laughs> chat about today. But, I mean, that's true, right? I mean, you, you start asking real questions, and then people cut you off, and that's why, yeah. you know, that's a big reason why we only hear garbage on mainstream radio. And we don't hear Han Solo Records albums on the top radio stations other than college radio. Shout out the college radio DJs. Yay. So, yeah, I mean, that's, we just got to keep doing that. And what, yeah. an, what an intro for Tom Quinlan. Woo! Thank so, you. hip-hop writer, you've been writing about hip-hop for years. What came first? Were you writing about hip-hop before you were uh, running the label? What was... Um, yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I was writing first for a while. Um, I started writing in uh, university. <coughs> um, we had uh, we had like uh, I went to York University. We had like uh, a few different residence college areas, and one of those, like each of them, kind of had their own uh, newspaper. And the one that was happening uh, for the college I was connected to, uh, Vanier, um, it was just not coming out on time. It was just there was a lot of disappointment in it. So a, a few people um, got together, took over the paper, and so they, at that point, needed people to write for it and whatnot. And um, yeah, they asked me, because I knew some of them, and started doing hip-hop reviews like for music, like albums, live reviews, and uh, just kind of, after doing that, continued on from it. And you were going to a lot of shows in that era, right? Um, I was going to a few. Um, I went to probably like, more shows once I got out of university because like York University is sort of it's basically not... in Thunder Bay. <laughs> yeah, essentially it is. <laughs> Much in, love yeah, to Thunder yeah, Bay. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's <laughs> a bit of a to the trip. Downtown core. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things that like um, getting down like getting anywhere is okay during the day, but once it starts getting late, um, you know, getting back up involves a lot of buses and a lot of walking and, and whatnot. So. Um, you need that friend's yeah. couch downtown. Yeah, exactly. So once uh, once I got into my like last year of uh, of university and after that, I was living downtown. So it was yeah, I was able to go a lot to a lot more shows. I started writing for uh, Exclaim magazine um, shortly after university, and that made going to shows a lot easier because they could they would get me on to guest lists to go and review the shows and things. So at that point in time, yeah, I, I started going to a lot more shows. What were some of the the big notable hip hop shows around that era? Oh, man. We're going back far, so it's hard to remember. Um, this would have been, like, early, mid-90s? Uh, yeah, probably late late 80s, early 90s. Oh, wow. Um, oh, no, I guess, yeah, early 90s, maybe, uh, to later 90s. I think I was in university, 90 to 95. It's hard to remember. It's you so, must have seen so, so long many ago. groups, like, especially then in that era for rap just coming up. Uh, yeah, I mean, I saw I saw a number. I I, I don't think I went to as many as I, I would have, like looking back, preferred to have done. I guess in a way, um, but uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the 
I guess the first uh, the first show that I ever really went to um, was actually before I went to university, before I even moved to Toronto. Um, I do remember coming out here to see um, at Varsity Arena my first show, Public Enemy. Nice. Uh, with uh, Run DMC. Yes, I've heard of both of yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're both not too bad. Um, and then, uh, I'm kind of was disappointed. What I was actually really excited to see about it was uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. That's who um, they, my main goal was to see about in that show. And did they open? They were supposed to be the opening act. Uh, it was supposed to be, I think, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, then Public Enemy, then Run DMC. It was, I think, the Tougher Than Leather tour. Right. Yeah, what a crazy tour. Yeah, it looked really amazing. Um, but then, unfortunately, Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince did not come. I don't know if they couldn't get over the border, or which is weird. I can't imagine why they couldn't get over the border. But they were scheduled, and then they weren't scheduled. Um, they were replaced by EPMD, which at the time I was extremely disappointed. But at the same time, now I'm kind of like, oh, it's cool. That's I got to see EPMD. That's a pretty substitution. Yeah. And I, I thought you were going to say, like, color me bad or no, something. No, and, no. Well, at like, the time, I didn't Nilly even... Vanilli Vanilli. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would be bad. At the time, though, like, I, I didn't know EPMD. Um, so I was kind of like, I had no idea what I was going to get, but knowing, like looking back on it, you know, even like a little while later, it was just like, okay, well, I got to see someone really cool. I still am kind of disappointed. I've never seen Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, but yeah, yeah. well. Well, apparently they're, uh, they're working on a new album together. Yeah, but I don't know, I don't know if that'd be really the same thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince in 2019. I think his parents understand now. Yeah, exactly. I think they get it. Yeah. They're like, oh, how rich and, are you? And he obviously understands now because he's a parent, right? Yeah. So yeah, we're all good. Wow. So you were doing, you were going to the hip hop shows, you're writing about hip hop. So yeah, I was, uh, I was doing reviews and live show stuff for a while, interviews and whatnot uh, for Exclaim and... Uh, then um, I think I saw like, yeah, I saw an advertisement somewhere for like a magazine, uh, it was unnamed, uh, looking for uh, writers. So I got in touch with them and ended up getting hired by them. That was Watch Magazine at the time. And uh, I worked for them for, for a fair while, but um, shortly after, well, around the time that I had applied with them, I'd actually been contemplating starting a record label. Um, I had some uh, some money. I got a big chunk of money from like some tax returns and uh, that had just all been done at one time. And so I was trying to decide what to do with that money. And uh, I knew that there was a lot of uh, a lot of music, especially from like Halifax and stuff that just wasn't really getting represented properly. It wasn't getting out and I, I just really loved it. And so, I decided that the best thing to do with my money would be to put it into starting up a record label and uh, I'd probably make that money back really fast and everything would be good. Um, and then it just, coincidentally, when I contacted Watch to start, uh, like, as uh, I applied to them and they decided that they wanted me to write for them, the very first thing that they asked me to write about was uh, uh, basically how to start a record label. What a quincidence! Yeah, <laughs> yes, it was a it was an amazing quincidence. <laughs> I'm gonna have to use that all the time now. Thank you. That's now you got a, a title for your solo. Yes. Album. <laughs> oh God, let's hope no one has to hear that. Uh, so yeah, it was it was like a perfect opportunity. I got I basically got paid to uh, contact a bunch of like different uh, independent uh, labels um, throughout Canada and uh, and interview them, talk to them, and. Uh, and get some insider information to help me start my own label. So that's uh, amazing. Yeah. What year was would that have been? 
Uh, I'm going to go with, like, probably about 95, maybe? Because, like, I started a label in 1996. Um, well, that was when the first release came out. So probably I really started things towards the end of 95, maybe. Um, so I would probably say... Um, 90, like early 95, late 94, maybe. Right. So what was that first release? Uh, the Basements of Bad Men. I know that one. Mm-hmm. Well. And so you just touched on something really quick, just about Halifax, because you grew up in Ontario, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how did Halifax get on your radar as a hip hop hotspot? Um, well, for a while, um, just, I guess I reached a point where I felt like as a Canadian, I needed to um, really discover a lot more Canadian rap music. Uh, I didn't really know too much. Uh, obviously, uh, Maestro, Mishimi, and stuff like that. Um, that's kind of most of what I knew. Um, uh, I came across uh, Hip Club Groove in um, just in some store. Uh, kind of knew they were from Shout Halifax. Out, Moves and Mackenzie and yes. uh, Check Love. And Check sure. Love, yes. Sometimes 6-2, even. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so um, I kind of, I knew, I think a little bit about what like what they were, who they were, but not very much. I just knew that they were a Canadian group, um, bought the album, loved it, and uh, from there just kind of found myself digging a bit deeper. Um, I was at the, the time, uh, I was doing a fanzine, uh, and so I was trying to interview, actually I was just about to start it. Um, my very first hip-hop interview for that, like each issue had only one hip-hop interview when it started. Uh, the very first interview that I did was actually with uh, Mackenzie from Hip Club Groove. And uh, through him, he kind of exposed me to a bunch of other people to check for uh, out there. And um, then uh, I had an opportunity to go out to Halifax. Uh, I think my parents were going there probably, so they took me. And, and at that point in time, uh, my whole goal was to go to all kinds of just these record stores and I just went and I was picking up like all kinds of tapes that I could find. Um, I left there. I, I just remember uh, driving back, like sitting in the back seat, just listening to so many of these tapes. It was just like glorious. Yeah, amazing. that's, that's the exactly for me, but when I would visit Toronto and I would uh, go digging for tapes and like the most yeah. underground stuff I could find, same thing, driving back. Listening to all the new tapes, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was it was amazing, and like I just remember like uh, one of the ones that I bought was the uh, the big truck compilation, yeah. and, and I just hearing uh, like I don't remember a lot of the songs, I just remember the Gortsky track on there, and just being like, oh, brilliant, and I think I even like rewound it and had to listen to it again right then. Um, also during that trip, it was actually pretty interesting. I went to um, one store, I was trying to find. The I don't know what it was at the time, like the new 6-2 album. I, I can't remember what album it was that he was on, but I couldn't find it. And I asked at one of the stores, I'm going to guess probably uh, Sam's, because I think they were pretty, um, pretty Sam's good about Barrington it. Sam's on Barrington at the time. Yeah, it so it was really probably that. that. Yeah. They actually said, let me see if I can help you out. They called Murder Records, and someone at Murder Records had a copy of the cassette that they had been given by 6-2, I guess when he was trying to maybe get signed to the label. So they said, oh yeah, come on down and we'll give you this copy. 
So not only did I get a copy of the tape, I got to go over to Murder Records and like go into the office and like you know say what's up, got my tape, and uh, and that's why Six yeah. Two didn't get signed to Murder <laughs> Records. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to that tape? That, that guy dropped off. Uh, we gave it to some kid from Toronto. <laughs> we, we didn't even get a chance to listen to it. Some guy really wanted it, and uh, he wound yeah. up putting out the record. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's true though. I mean, I, I did put out a Six Two Twelve Inch afterwards, yeah. so. I guess he did sort of get signed, <laughs> just just not to what he was hoping. Oh, <laughs> uh, sorry, six two, if you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sorry for ruining it for you. That's awesome. And yeah. do you still have all that stuff? Uh, I do have most of it. Yeah. Um, I, I have to admit, sadly, um, there was a point where a lot of um, I sold a little bit of it because it was worth some good money. Um, but yeah, there were certain things that I just, there was no way I could part with. Like, uh, I definitely could not get rid of, like, my uh, my Buck 65 Game Tight cassette. There was no way oh, I could do that. Yeah. yeah, I've got the Weirdo Magnet cassette over there. Yeah, and I, think text, I, I think I, I, I can't remember completely what I got rid of, like, what I sold off to people. Um, I don't think that I got rid of my Weirdo Magnet. God, I hope not. But, uh, I mean, I dubbed everything before I got rid of them so I at least still have stuff but yeah I did get rid of some things that I may regret someday do you keep one of everything that you've ever released uh let me tell you I keep boxes of everything that I have released (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah I do uh, I do have at least one copy of everything um some of the older stuff I wish I had kept more like the uh the vinyl releases and things um you know it's just I just worry what happens if I ever scratch one of them or something like that. Yeah. I just, I, I don't have it. And I, and I mean, I, I, some of the stuff I did have extra copies of, but then like, you know, someone will be like, oh, I, I don't have a copy. I really, really need that. Like I had a few extra copies of the Tachichia Moves uh, 12 inch and then found out that uh, they didn't have, at least I think Tachichi didn't have. Uh, and so I had to send a copy out there and, you know, things like that. It just slowly disappear but i have to make sure i have at you least got one a good heart thanks tom quinlan Thank aka you. doogie howitzer Ooh, so deep. now doogie howitzer some people may not know but you actually used that as that was your host name on a radio show right yes and you rapped under that <laughs> yes <laughs> which is why you don't want to hear a solo album <laughs> yeah i um I actually, I think I started using it first as a for my, some of my writing um when i was doing my uh um when I was writing for, I think, like, Watch Magazine and stuff, um, just because I was doing a lot of writing, they they didn't want me always having everything under the same name, so I had to kind of come up with another name. I think I might have come up with Doogie Howitzer at that point. Um, but, uh, yeah, I used it a bit for some writing uh, originally, I think, and then when I was doing my... Um, I had two different radio shows that I was involved with, and so uh, on one of them, that's what I would use. And then what it just, were they called? Uh, well, originally I was, um, along with a few other people, did uh, Lord Knows What on uh, CKLN, uh, like Ryerson. Um, and that was uh, originally started with like DJ Moves. Well, actually, the very first time I did it, it was, uh, I think it was me... And Buck 65, we had filled in on stylistic endeavors. Uh, I can't remember if there's somebody else, but I think it was just the two of us. And um, and then when stylistic endeavors left, uh, they handed the show over to us. Obviously, uh, uh, Buck 65 was not in Toronto at that point in time, um, <clears throat> so it uh, it was like me, Moves, Mindbender, uh, Kotapo Megatron, uh, 
it just and then after that it just kind of expanded out we ended up like moves was only a dj for a certain period and then we had dj arista scratch and we've had like drunkenness monster all kind of be involved in the show uh, a lot of different uh, people i guess involved in the hosting uh, aspect of it um I think it was at like two to four in the morning, so it's not like it was the most listened to show, but it was allowed us to kind of do what we wanted on it and be pretty crazy. I remember there were dubs of that show. The tapes were floating around Halifax. Yeah, like people bootlegged uh-huh. it, and it would it back in in the day. Nice. That was just sort of I remember hearing about it like before we sort of met for mm-hmm. the second time in Toronto <laughs> yeah, yeah. A, a few years later. Uh, uh, just quickly, maybe mention the other show as well that I was doing, which is uh, it was more of a uh, I guess. Technically, really, I guess a podcast, because it was like an internet radio show or whatever. I don't know if they really, what they called it back then. Uh, And that one came to me through Exclaim Magazine. It was a little bit later. Um, And uh, uh, I guess it was kind of the same thing. It was, but it was just strictly me. Um, So it was a lot more of the kind of things that I wanted to end up doing. And uh, and that took, I guess, a little more um, priority for a while. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was good. Like the, to, what was that one called? Uh, that was one? called, uh, Silly Robots. Silly Robots. Yeah. And is this where Doogie Howitzer would rap? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think I actually probably started rapping until after those shows, I think. Um, I, yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, the people that I kind of had on the show, I, I don't know that I would have wanted to rap with them because they were all really good. Remember, I've heard a few tracks. One came out of Basements of Batman 2, right? Yes, yeah. And how many did you record? Um, I think there's probably about four or five songs maybe that have been recorded. I think the people may want to hear them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, some of them, some of them are, are a little more basic. Oh, no. <laughs> um, yeah, I think uh, there's basically been... I think only really two have probably been released, though. Uh, there's the one on the end of uh, Basements of Bad Men 2, uh, the kind of the bonus hidden track, I guess. And uh, there was a track uh, I started doing, like originally when I started rapping, it was mostly just for fun with like, I had like two, uh, two friends who would like, we'd hang out a lot on the weekend and we would just kind of play video games and listen to music. And then it was just like, well, why don't we just make music instead? And we just kind of like screwed around and made some music. Um, so that was like the early stuff there, uh, the Almighty Ugnots, and uh, yes, yes. And, and I get it, yeah. <laughs> and then none of that was ever released. Um, but then uh, towards the end, um, Shazbot from Creature Box, uh, he ended up kind of joining into the group. But we never actually released anything after he joined, or did any recording after he joined. But then. Um, him and I ended up kind of doing stuff together as Bucket of Gold Teeth. And so we have one of those uh, tracks on uh, Hokey Religions and Ancient Weapons mixtape. Yes. Although, weirdly enough, it's only my verse that's on there, which is kind of sad because, like, really, Shazbot was the better rapper by far. Shazbot's dope. And Creature uh, yeah, Box, really like too. Him. There's a name. I yeah. Mean, Sav, obviously, still doing stuff. Shout yeah. out Toad One as well. Like, And actually, Sav produced both of those, uh, both of the yeah. beats that are, the, are the things that I've released. I first saw them at, I think it was a hand Solo event. Probably. And it's Creature Box, and they did this song called Milk and Meat. Yes. And I think I've talked about it here, and I Love have a copy song. of it somewhere, but man, that was, that was the jam. I, I was so disappointed because uh, maybe about a year ago, uh, I love Milk and Meat. There's like that album is pr- is good, but like Milk and Meat is the first song that um, Shazbot finally raps on, 
And it was just amazing. The stuff that he says on it is just totally ridiculous. And so it was at that point where he's just <laughs> that like. That track's crazy. Yeah. I got to dig yeah. my copy. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. If you have a copy of it, I would love if you can send me um, digital for it or something. It's buried somewhere in the. I knew where mine is. Guild. And I pulled it out and I put it into my CD player and I cannot get it to play. Nothing will come off of it. And I am so disappointed because I love that album. Well, and we'll just hit up Sav. And yeah, maybe he has it. That. Yeah. Because, yeah, I, w- I would love to get that back I want your, like, I wanted, updated I wanted, versions. Like, uh, oh, yeah, that would be great. Milk and Meek 2020. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that would be so awesome. Well, I mean, after that album, too, right? Like, um, Creature Box is one of those things that kind of are a disappointment. Like, I, I, after hearing that first album, they were amazing. I've done stuff with them. You know, I put them on, on shows a bunch of times. It was like, my plan was I wanted to work with these guys. And... We they started working on stuff and then they broke up and I think the reason for breaking up was just crazy like it was there was four guys in the group and they were like well we all come from different backgrounds in hip hop so you know one guy liked more like hardcore street stuff another dude wanted really experimental things and it was just like they couldn't make it work anymore which but is that's weird. why it all worked together, right exactly and so like i would always say to them i'm like well that's that's the beauty of it like you know you guys are on all these different things which creates kind of a very different sound and you're each you know like i i think that it should work great together and you know you should be able to bring all these influences together and by each of those influences working together you create something that is very different and that's one of the things i love about hip-hop is the ability to collaborate and create different things. Like, you want a different sound, you can work with a different producer. You, you know, work with a few different rappers and, you know, it's gonna be different from what you would have done yourself. And that doesn't happen in a lot of other musics. And Creature Box had that just by the essence of being Creature Box. Yeah, you're making me, I'm just gonna, like, call Sav after this. Yeah. And be like, all right, let's, I want to get him in. Uh, yeah, I was so disappointed when, when nothing happened out of it. Um, like, there was two groups around that same time that I was really wanting to work with. It was Creature Box and this group from Japan called Spiritual Juice. And I was planning on putting out a split 12-inch, which would have each of them on one side. I thought that'd be great. You know, we get the Japanese dudes over here with some promo, get Creature Box into Japan with some promo. But both groups broke up. I like this is the hand solo the releases that never were. Yeah. Yeah. There's a few of them. The that, hand uh, zeros, if you will. The hand zeros, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was it was I was so disappointed when that didn't work out. It's so you've released so many amazing records. What was it that you love so much about rap? The how it was kind of different from everything and just like the um I just liked how it was presented lyrically, like instead of singing, you know, I, I liked the idea of rapping. Um, and I, I, I really liked the, that it was saying something a lot of times, you know, like uh, like Public Enemy, discovering that and just, it opened a lot, it opened my eyes, I guess, really to a lot of things that I maybe really wasn't really like, uh, evident and aware of. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I was so yeah. educated by Public yeah. Enemy. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and I mean, and just like, even like a lot of that things stuff. That you would never think about yeah yeah being like especially as like you know uh, a, a white guy coming from like Sudbury you know where I mean it, I think it was a really good educational uh thing um that that helped my helped me really to expand my worldview a lot absolutely yeah that's amazing and then obviously you've you know you've dedicated your life to 
sharing more hip hop with the world. And mm-hmm. I know like Canadian hip hop and the honestly like the world of hip hop owes you a service because how long has Han Solo been going now? It's twenty. Uh, we started in ninety six. Uh, so I think it's like three years. Yeah, about twenty three years. Twenty twenty one, I think, is the twenty fifth anniversary. Basement's a Batman one. Yes, you had the Halifax. I mean, it's basically all Halifax with maybe one group from, or all Nova Scotia with maybe one group from New Brunswick. Yeah, I think yeah. so. There, I think there was like two rappers and a singer, possibly. I can't remember a lot about it. That was like a late addition to it. That. Uh, um, I think might have come through Joe Run, but I think like it wasn't a submission from him, um, and uh, I think he like got them to reach out to me. They were uh, they'd just been hearing about it and had something to sort of contribute. Um, it was probably like I mean when especially looking back on it, you know, I mean you can see like a lot of the different people that were involved on it went on to do things within the scene, but I've never heard of these other guys again. Um, so, but there's a yeah. bunch of guys on that album that everybody's heard of. Yeah. And that was a huge thing. And I've talked about this before. I was a paper boy listening to hip-hop every day in my Walkman, my Discman, like whatever. I've heard the route. <laughs> <laughs> and I, was, I would, at the end of my route, you know, when I'd have cash in my pocket, I'd go by Sam the Record Man because I lived right downtown, walk by Barrington Street, walk in there and see what was new. And I remember when I saw that Basements of Bad Men Volume 1. I thought, like, what? Wait, a, what is this? And I looked at the back, and I started recognizing all these names, right? Like, you know, Stinkin' Rich, Joe Runs on there, Six Two, right? Hip Club Groove, and Gordsky, and all these people. It's like these are like Halifax. And at the time, what people don't understand is that stuff wasn't coming out on CD. Like having lo- most local albums, there may have been maybe one or two had come out on CD. I think uh, definitely Hip Club Groove because that's, Groove, that's the one that, that yeah that was and, on. and as the introduction yeah. to me yeah. But most of the local hip hop tapes, like the uh, like hip hop albums, it was mm-hmm. all tapes, all underground stuff, like the Joe, the Howltown mixtapes, like the Buck sixty five stuff, anything I could find, it was all tapes, moves tapes, yeah. like. So when I saw that, it was just my mind was blown, and I I just I bought it without thinking about mm-hmm. it, took it home, loved it, and I played that album so many times. It's it's a Canadian hip hop classic. Thank you. But the crazy thing was, I thought it was a local label. So I remember asking around, like, what's Han Solo Records? No one really knew. I don't think I found out until, like, months later, oh, this is a label from Toronto, and they're putting out all this Halifax hip-hop. Mm-hmm. So you just said, you know what? I'm, And this was around the time, was it right around Beat Factory? Like, the rap Yeah, it would have been a little bit after Beat Factory uh, first album came out. Which, that was <clears throat> another huge Canadian hip-hop compilation. Yeah. But it had, like, zero... Uh, I think it was mostly Ontario and Montreal yeah, and some um, West Coast. Yeah, I think, it, I, in fact, I would probably say it was mostly probably Toronto with a little, maybe a little bit of Montreal and maybe possibly Vancouver. Vancouver. I think the Rascals might have yeah, been Yeah, I can't it. remember if the Rascals were on it. But, yeah, if if there was any Vancouver, it was definitely just the Rascals. Yeah, and Classified was on Basements of Batman 1 as yeah. well. So you put, you just had the ear to the Halifax hip-hop scene put this out, and I know you've talked about it in many interviews mm-hmm. before, but this was a huge record, especially, like, for me and all my friends and, like, who were too young to go to a lot of the shows, but we were just, you know, anything yeah. we could get our hands on. Like, our outlet for hip-hop was, like, the college radio station, like, Rich's Show and Shingai and a bunch of other people who do shows, Joe Run. Lucky for you. Yeah, and then <laughs> all the, uh, and then Sam the Record Man, whatever they had in the local section. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And then I would know when new stuff came out because I'd be walking downtown 
and I'd see posters coming up for like 6'2 album release party. And I'd know, I'm like, oh no, 6'2's got an album <laughs> coming out. So I'd have to keep checking Sam the Record Man. And I'd be like, yo, is that new 6'2 album out or whatever it was? So that was just the so way. So it's you constantly asking for 6'2 albums, which made it so that when I went in and asked, <laughs> that they understood. They're like, oh, okay, we better help this guy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you know what? The, it was those Helltown tapes too, like the Joe Ryan yeah. mixtapes. Those are so crazy. Yeah, I those think. were like, yeah, the Helltown. I think I bought Helltown one and two when I was there the one like my first time um finally getting my chance to hear all of that kind of stuff yeah it yeah. was amazing and in a way basements of batman one was it, it, it was it inspired a lot i, I would say it was inspired by that a lot sure, definitely yeah. um you know uh, doing that album um i reached out to a few people like by that point in time uh by the time i was doing uh working on basements of batman uh i had been doing a few uh issues of my zine by that point in time. So I had talked to, uh, from Mackenzie, um, he had connected me in with Buck 65, or I guess at that time, Stinkin' Rich. Uh, I got connected to to Joe Run, uh, 6'2". Uh, those were my main connections at the time. And so uh, I reached out to um, Buck 65 and 6'2", and I reached out to Joe Run, and I asked them if they could kind of help me source, I guess, some of the material and stuff. And so uh, they basically just kind of went to their respective camps of people and, and pulled some stuff in and, and sent a lot of it to me. And then I just kind of went through and decided what I like. Um, Joe Run had asked me if there was anything particular that I wanted uh, to put on the album. Uh, and I, from hearing uh, the Helltown 2 tape, I was just like, I want Shaken Awake and a Breaking Them Up. I love that song. Yeah. And so he sent me that specifically to be on it. But then other than that, everything else was like kind of, at that time anyway, not released. And then you got distribution. Yes. Across Canada. Yeah. So um, how did that hook up? Uh, through, um, uh, through the band Len. Um, I'm familiar. Yes. Uh, yeah, they... Um, I don't think they were from Halifax. I don't know completely, but I know that they spent a lot of time out there, uh, and they were connected into that hip-hop scene with, uh, like, I guess, through uh, Hip Club Groove and Buck 65 and that, and worked a lot with them. Uh, and apparently what I've heard is the story uh, was that I kind of just beat Mark Costanzo to the punch uh, that he had been wanting, like, thinking about doing something like this as well. Uh, and because I already did it, it was just like let's help you get that out there. So um, essentially what he did is um, kind of slid it through uh, Fun Trip, his record label, um, to get the distro from uh, outside. That's really cool. Yeah. That's dope. Yeah, I mean, and it was actually on top of that too, what was really cool was he, he also uh, um, did a uh, release party for it where, because uh, he, they were releasing the, uh, the second Len album at the same, like around the same time. And so uh, he was supposed to have two release parties. Like they had like a, uh, two shows to do in one that day. Was such a huge time. Yeah. Well, yeah, they were, well, so they were going to do like an afternoon show that was an, an all ages show. And then they were going to do an evening show, um, I guess, for a slightly different crowd. But then what they decided to do is to split it off. So they did the morning, like the afternoon all ages show. And then the evening show was a hip hop show to for like Basins of Bad Men. And they actually flew out uh, the Sebutone, so like Buck 65 and 6-2. Uh, Nathan uh, the Alien, or Nathan C, I guess, is now he's going by. And, uh, and then Hip Club Groove. And it was an amazing show. Like I was, I could not believe that he brought all those people out. So Is there any footage respect. from that show? Um, n not that I know of. I mean, um, 
if you reach out to Much Music, probably, because uh, I know that they were you there and they really filmed some try stuff. And put that down. I mean, that was you know. Yeah. Your yeah, I hadn't even release. really thought about it, but but now like no, having you mentioned that, I remember like uh, I believe Much Music was there to like deal with some of it, and so I'm sure that they probably have a bit of footage. That's huge, and that's cool. Like I was just gonna say, like I only met Mark once or twice, and he always seemed cool with me. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. really know what other dealings were, but. I always thought he was a, a cool guy. And I know he was around the scene sort of when I first, when I was coming up in like, when I was like 19, 20, and he was like checking out the scene. I remember hanging out with him once or twice. So there was like somebody's birthday party and we went somewhere. It was like the. <laughs> so Basements of Batman. And then that launched into a whole series of other releases. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of Just the. Just run down uh, the list. What are, like, uh, off the top of your head? See, see how yeah, many. Yeah, that'll be through. great. I was like, maybe I should bring, <laughs> maybe I need to bring a list in the order of, like, everything that I'm going to be doing. But, uh, yeah. Let's see. I'm just going to, I'm going to hold up my fingers and let's see how, uh, how many can you start. You want me to do all 50? <laughs> Is it 50? Uh, yeah, the, um, the most recent release, uh, which is the Ultra Magnus uh, album, um, Muziki, Missouri. Yeah. Uh, it is the, like, I guess the, like, it's cataloged as number 50. Uh, so it's, like, basically the, the 50th physical studio thing. Yeah, I should have. Um, well, you can still. The album just dropped. Yeah. Like, the, I just the saw problem, you, the release party was just last week. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. The, the, <laughs> and, uh, I mean, Magnus is still on tour for Go it Go get right that now. album. It's dope. <laughs> Ultra Magnus is the homie, and Fresh Kills did some production on that. Yeah, it's he did crazy. most of it. Yeah, it's dope. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it um, it's kind like it's labeled as the fiftieth album, but I mean the problem is it's like uh, my I guess labeling process is not always the the most straightforward because you know I guess it's like it's essentially the fiftieth studio type album released in a physical form. Um, there are some digital albums that don't have a release that don't count within that fifty, and then there's also uh, like the Grandpa Funny Book mixtapes and the hokey religion mixtape that, Who's that don't guy? count yeah <laughs> i don't know what i was thinking oh, working with that guy those are rare too i would argue yeah. that like some of those because phys- they're physical releases for all three physical for all, all three grandpa funny books. yeah all four of those um, have religion, them yeah, yeah they were uh depending on which release like usually 100 to 200 copies i heard a rumor grandpa wanted to do a fourth mixtape he should yeah. i totally agree yeah i i would uh i would be down for that without a doubt yeah i was just only it has to be the start of a of a second trilogy it can't just be <laughs> can't just be a four i mean that just messes everything up did you ever see the video we did with grandson funny book uh, i feel yes i just don't yeah. remember it but i do yeah, yeah. there's yeah there's it's out there uh, but yeah i was just talking with peter not too long ago and i was recording with him and we were we had a we had a lot of fun because those mixtapes would always come together sort of at the eleventh uh, hour. Yes, yeah, they yeah. Were, we'd yeah, be waiting for everyone to send in their tracks, and then we just get last silly minute, and, and then yeah, basically mm. like freestyling. I'd, and, I'd like, give in all the tracks beats. to the DJ and always be surprised by what else was on there. <laughs> a lot of beats that started out on those mixtapes became future songs. I think that's and, the way it should uh, be. Yeah, so yeah. we were, we'd be working in the studio messing around, and then it was like. Uh, this beat's crazy. I'm gonna. I <laughs> it's a, mine now. I'm like I have a better idea for a song than this silly. <laughs> yeah, than an intro, <laughs> <laughs> which is dope at the time. Yeah. But it's. Uh, but I mean, that's the thing, right? Yeah. Like it can be used for both because it's just it's on some like mixtape thing. It's yeah. not like it's that important. So yeah, there we go. Hidden That's what people tune in this podcast for: the secrets of of Quinlan. Oh no, no! <laughs> I better shut my mouth. Interview is over. <laughs> Give me that. That's that laugh I love. <laughs> That's that Tom Quinlan laugh. Uh, 
Ah, oh, Tom. So, Thomas, in rap, you've heard a lot of rap. What excites you? Like, what is something that you hear and you think, I need to release that album? I like things that are kind of unique. Um, although, I don't know that I would say <clears throat> everything on the label is what you would consider unique. Um, but, yeah, I just, uh, I like when I hear something that's different. I've always kind of liked that, um, you know, always kind of gone for things that are, are sort of weird and out there. Uh, you know, I was a big fan of like a lot of the Anticon stuff when it came out and, uh, you know, the Def Jux type stuff. So um, to me, it's just, you know, I, I kind of feel like music should be doing something different all the time. So that's, yeah, that's one of the main things I like to look for. Um, I don't I know if there's anything else. Yeah, and that really defines when I think of your label I think, oh, Han Solo's got not always my favorite music. <laughs> <laughs> it's understandable. I mean, no, no, know, most. Yeah, I, not no, but I mean, you know, no, I think with anything, there's, there's, you know, like, um, our tastes are not the exact same. So, you know, there's going to be things that you don't like that I'm liking and vice versa. And Well, yeah. that's what I love. Like, I know that you love it and you see something in it. And that's mm -hmm. what I love about the label. You put out some absolute, like, some of the best Canadian rap records ever, in Thanks. my opinion. And I, like, there's this one, Burglaritis, it was just like, no. Yeah, that one's not too bad. That's not too bad at all. Uh, according to my wife, it's no third burglar. That's her favorite. It reminds me a lot of fourth burglar. <laughs> no, no, no. But w there is something about Han Solo, like, everything is very unique. Like, you know when you go and you look at your discography, there's going to be something in there that's just going to blow your mind, and you're like, whoa, this is not... And I like that every release <clears throat> isn't like the last one. Yeah. And they're, you know, and then they're for artists, oh, if you like these artists, there are these other artists, too. And it's... And keep me an open mind. And certainly, no, I'm not dissing the label at all. No, you no, know, I... know I, I love the I, label. No, I like, totally, I got I, it. I want I, to see I think you succeed I, so I much. I think that it is... Uh, what you're saying is definitely justified. Um you know, like, I, I would be very surprised if there's anybody who kind of, like, listens to everything on the label and likes it all equally, you know? I mean, there's there are some different things on there that may not always appeal to things, uh, people who like something that is also on the label, so I get it. Well, there's so, I mean, I don't even want to start naming all the stuff I love because I know I'm just going to start forgetting stuff, but yeah. there have been, like, so many great records like even just in the last year or two that I've that you've put out like oh, thank you here on the podcast we played like a lot of it before and like the library steps obviously like mm. I was just telling I was just in Ottawa with uh, Les and Jesse and I was just talking to both of them about like their recent albums have been amazing obviously and yeah the Ultra Magnus stuff has been yeah. great all the stuff from Touch mm. has been really dope that 51902 album is really really great like there's just been yeah again I can't I can't even yeah, it's um, right now. I'm. Uh, I feel like you're in a whole new resurgence with things. Like there's like. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, I'm trying to release a lot more right now, and trying to um, create like a a consistent release schedule. Like uh, I found, um, I've been trying to do this last year and this year, uh, and I found earlier than that, um, it would just always be kind of a struggle. Like, I always wanted to release more per year than what I've been releasing. But it's just like, okay, this is the next album that's coming out. And then it would just be delayed and delayed and delayed and delayed for whatever kind of reason it would be. And so then I can't release the next album 
until that album is is done and ready to go because you know it's already cataloged in a certain order and all this kind of stuff so this one album delays the next album delays the next album delays the next album and it just kind of keeps on going and so you know it's just like what would be like oh i'm going to release five albums this year ends up being two albums you know um so i'm just uh really trying to kind of create some consistency in in a release schedule and, and keep things kind of moving um and, and i guess also part of that is to uh, to try to build up a a good solid uh roster of of um artists uh you know like many of them that you mentioned, you know, like Ultra Magnus, uh, Touch, uh, more or less, you know, the Backburner stuff, like build like a nice group of people where it's different stuff, but each thing is going to be dope. And <clears throat> yeah, yeah, and then the people that keep checking the label, because I know you've got people like myself who've been following the label since the start mm -hmm. and that are constantly checking for new music. Would you say this is like a new, like, how would, would you divide up like the early days, like, Basements of Batman 1 kind of set off this one wave, right? Yeah. And then when was the second wave? Well, I think that I think that I tend to very much use the um, Basements of Batman releases to kind of um, using uh, Marvel lingo to set off the next phase. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like the. Uh, Basements of Bad Men, the first one, uh, was all the focus on, on Halifax. Um, and then from there, all these releases that came out were Halifax-based for the most part. What were some examples of stuff that came out after uh, There was the Buck 65 uh, Wildlife 12-inch. Such a great Yeah, record. I love that. I was so, like, we were kind of working, going to work on something, and I was really glad that that was what he gave I've me because it really worked. There. I've got one as well. <laughs> That's one of the things I really wish I had more copies of. Um, and then the other that thing... Was never released digitally. No. No. Um, so um, the, the, there is a 6.2 uh, Mocha-only split 12-inch. Crystal Senate. Crystal Senate, yes. The, uh, the plan I was kind of like... Uh, originally what I was thinking is when I set up doing Basements of Bad Men, the first one, my idea was like, this was in Halifax. I wanted to kind of do a series of compilations that would focus on uh, a different Canadian city each time. So I was thinking Basements of Bad Men 2 was going to be uh, a Vancouver album. And, and so I had kind of, I'd connected with, uh, uh, with Mocha only. Uh, I'd actually even connect, collected some songs to do Basements of Bad Men 2 as a Vancouver kind of thing. I don't remember I why. I this. It's yeah, interesting. I, it just, I had like, uh, I have a, a couple of tapes at home with like just a bunch of stuff from Mocha only and Prevail and like uh, I think Prevail like, of Swollen Members uh, yes, for those yes. keeping track. Um, when he was kind of still heavily working with Mocha only back then, um, just like a bunch of different stuff that that I got some of the people to submit and, and it just I can't remember why it never coalesced. But yeah, Basements of Badman Two never came out like that. Um, but um, it did help me to kind of make that connection, which was why uh, we did the split with Mocha only uh, and 6-2. I kind of wanted to be able to... It was at the time when, um, in the bigger hip-hop world, there was that East Coast versus West Coast kind of garbage going on and all that kind You're of stuff. you talking the States. Like. And yeah, yeah, like in the overall like larger scheme of, of hip-hop kind of thing. And, and so 
I kind of liked the idea of doing this thing where it was like East meets West, and it's just like, you know, all these people out in Vancouver probably have no idea who 6'2 is. All these people out in Halifax have no idea who Mocha only is. So it's just like, let's let's cross promote these two people. Which is brilliant, and that was true. That's the very first yeah. time I ever heard Mocha only. Yeah, and I'm, I'm, and I'm, yeah, I'm glad that that's kind of worked because I'm sure it was the same situation in terms of like helping 6'2 get a little bit more of a. Uh, notoriety out in Vancouver and yeah Tom and see this is a great thing by you sticking to your guns and doing stuff like that I mean it's true like maybe you know it's so under the radar but people at the time knew and took note obviously I checked out the record because 6-2 was on it I was like who's this Moga only guy and then I listened to it I was like oh this is like really dope and different stuff Mm -hmm. and years later you know when I first met Moka I told him this is when I first heard you and yeah, I remember when Swollen Members blew up and Mocha was there. I was like, oh, yeah, well, Mocha's the guy on that 6-2 <laughs> vinyl. <laughs> oh, awesome. <laughs> Which is interesting because both they both had completely different styles. And that was another thing that I kind of liked about it, right, is that uh, they were on different styles, but at the same time, they were they were still connected by being, like, these unique underground dudes. And, and so it's just like uh, I, I felt like while they were on different vibes, there was that common factor that I, I thought would still appeal like, you know, if you like the 6-2, you'd probably like uh, the Mocha only. Um, the one thing that I was a little disappointed on with it was that each side was so different from the other. Not just, like, not in terms of sound so much, but, like, my original plan for the 12-inch uh, uh, was to basically be two songs on each side. I was going to have, like, I was trying to get 6-2 to do a song, Mocha only to do a song, and then have the other person remix the track. So you'd get like a 6-2 track remixed by Mocha Only, a Mocha Only track remixed by 6-2. I was kind of curious to see what that would all be. But Mocha had so much material already done that he kind of just wanted to release what he had. And then 6-2's thing was like, I'm going to do an EP. And so like, I've got like the Mocha side is kind of like your typical single. But then the 6-2 side is kind of like, here's a vinyl EP, uh, yeah. which I guess is good. You got your, your money's so worth on the music. But I yeah. get that, though, because as an artist, even now I have these discussions. Even with you, we've had mm. these discussions before where I can see at that time especially, it's like, whoa, I have the opportunity to get out on vinyl. Yeah. You want to put your best foot forward. You want to put out some really, really tight stuff that people are just going to be like, whoa, what is mm. this? And you want to put that out there and get it in front of people, whereas you're just thinking, well, let's try something experimental for the third track. Well, it's like, no, yeah, like, like, no well, man, I mean, this is my shot. Yeah, like, I, I just, you know, I, I obviously, I have ideas that I like, and I think, you know, in, in any in any kind of creative endeavor, it's like once you involve more people, it, it changes what you're going to be doing, right? Yeah. And so, you know, that's my idea. I think this is going to be a really creative kind of thing. I, 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 I've i never seen this before. I think it'd be really awesome to be out there. But then you bring other people, and it's like, well, this is what I perceive. And you kind of have to compromise and find a spot. And, you know, there's a lot of things like that throughout, you know, the the history of Han Solo, where it's just like, this is, my, this is what I would like to do, and it becomes something different. And, you know, I mean... Uh, this is I, cool. What are some other things that didn't quite materialize? Because I didn't know this West Coast Basements of Batman, because obviously Basements of Batman 2, we're going to get to that mm-hmm. when we start Phase 2. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me real quick when you're on uh, it. I mean, I, I, 
to be honest, I can't even think of anything really specific. Like, I just know that a lot of times where it's just like I'll approach somebody to kind of like do something and they'll have their like some, some of their own plans on how they would want to do it. Um, at the same time, too, like, you know, I'll, uh, I'll often start working with somebody on something and, um, you know, I might be seeing it as one particular way and, and they're kind of working towards it in something different. Uh, I just, for me, it's just like, I have to respect the artistic creativity, right? I mean, I, I can make suggestions, I feel, at times, but I, I don't want to be the person that's kind of saying, no, that you have to change it in this way. I might offer some suggestions and things, um, and I guess in a way, like, my initial, this is what I perceive it as being, is also sort of a suggestion and you know if they kind of go off on something then they you know that's what they do I, I guess like even like the the buck 65 wildlife vinyl like I mean that also uh, was became like an EP I guess to a degree when you know the idea was for me at that time was just a more traditional 12 inch that's what I was looking at right let's do a stinking rich 12 inch with like, you know, one song on the A side and an instrumental, one song on the B side and an instrumental. And that's what he ended up presenting. And uh, I'm really happy that in, you know, in that case, it became something different from what I had sort of envisioned it to be. Um, yeah. It turned out great. So to, to round out phase one, you had Mocha Only 6-2, you had the Buck 65 Wildlife. Uh, so then it would have been the Cock Dynamics tape. And see, so uh, I kind of mentioned phase with... Phase one, I said, round up phase one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, with with the idea of, like, going into, like, the Vancouver stuff, right? So that's how I ended up with the split 12-inch of, like, 6.2 and Mocha only. And then when we got into the next thing, which was the, um, the Cock Dynamics cassette, that also uh, ended up being, like, Halifax artists, Vancouver artists, and some some Toronto artists. And that's because I had started making some inroads into Vancouver um, for Basements of Bad Men 2. So it was, you know, I brought some of them into that. Um, Cock Dynamics was something that Moves and Buck 65 had been talking about doing. And I was just like, I'd be interested in putting that out on cassette for you guys. Um, and I would love to bring in some other people outside of Halifax to do it. And so, um, I guess that was the thing that kind of got me involved, and it was my ability to be able to, you know, reach out to some people in and Toronto and Vancouver. And that was like Basements of Batman, the sex version. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, probably. Yeah, I mean, it. it um, I, I found it kind of interesting to be able to go and do a cassette on that and stuff, which was really weird, considering, as you said. Uh, Basements of Bad Men was a CD when people were sort of still doing cassettes and everybody's doing CDs. And I'm like, let's put this out on cassette, which to me, you know, was kind of a, um, a homage to, uh, to what I had experienced from the Halifax scene, which was all cassettes. And I guess even partly, too, from like, you know, a lot of the Vancouver scene at that time, uh, like prior to that was also, you know, Mocha only putting out cassettes and stuff. So it was, you know, to me, um, I kind of wanted the opportunity to do something like that. And that seemed like the, the right spot for it. Uh, then the next thing after that would be the uh, the Tachichi and Moves uh, Suicidal Soul 12-inch. And I think that that would probably be the thing that would maybe close out that that phase. I think that was the last thing that I kind of released for a short little while. Yeah, that's a great record, too. Yeah. There's a dope posse cut on there, too. Yes, yeah, heads up. And then, so, I I can't remember. I don't think there was anything really after that Tachichi um 12 inch, uh, not that I can remember. Um, and then around that time, um, I was doing, uh, that's when I started DJing, 
a lot, like doing the, the radio show uh, and the podcast. And um, a lot of that kind of took up my focus in a way. Doing, I had my, I was preoccupied, had my own stuff to do with the radio show and the podcast. And then suddenly I like realized, whoa, three years has just passed. And kind of nothing. So I basically was kind of like almost starting over from scratch again with the label. And so um, the thing that made sense was to do another compilation, uh, start in the same spot again. So I did Basements of Bad Men 2. Um, that was a very big mix of things. Like I basically by that point threw away the whole concept of like going city by city. Um, and then, and that one was just like, had people from everywhere. Like it's got a lot of Canadian stuff. It's also got some American artists on it, um, Japanese artists. Um, you know, just, it was a big mix, but you can tell at that point in time, uh, it, it's a lot of really like kind of weird rap music, a lot of it. Um, and that's when I was like, you know, I think really into that whole Anticon period, really into a lot of like crazy weird stuff. Uh, Restiform Bodies is on it, which was an Anticon group. So that then was kind of uh, set the groundwork, I think, for the next series of stuff, uh, which I'd say is probably a mix of a bunch of stuff again. Like, you know, there was no real focus, like with the first uh, phase maybe of being like uh, all kind of Halifax type stuff or at least very focused on that. In this case, it seemed a lot, like it was a lot more spread out. But at the same time, um, it did seem to have a little more focus on, uh, on uh, like the prairies area. There was um, like Lexington and Whatevsky, like in Calgary, uh, did like a touch um, digital only release. Um, and then, of course, uh, same at that time uh, would have been Word Burglar. Yeah, that um, guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With uh, yeah, um, so that that was also, I guess, the time where we um, met That's for the second time. Then. Yeah, and, we connected. Yep. And I don't know. Did you even remember? I can't me? believe you came over to my house, and it's taken until now <laughs> for me to come to your house. <laughs> I think you came was to like my old place. Years. You were at my old place years ago. Yeah, I think I have been too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One, I think I still have a. You gave me that Doctor Doom ambulance up there. Oh, nice. <laughs> you see it up there? Do you remember that? Uh, you gave yes, me that for my I birthday. Do. Okay, now a I see it. Million yeah. years ago. Yes. Yeah, it's like a Hot Wheels ambulance, but with Doctor. Man, Doom you got on some it. good memory. Although I guess it's sitting on your shelf, so it's easier <laughs> to probably remember that. Look, I don't throw out anything. <laughs> Clearly, I don't yeah, throw out anything. Obviously, yes, that's very true. <laughs> As we're about to be toppled by records and comic books and action figures. And I'm looking at the game board. Guess who? Right here. <laughs> that actually, my sister-in-law gave me that. It's Guess Who, but all with G.I. Joe faces. What? Yeah. Did she like make it? She ordered some. Someone made like a custom GI Joe version of Guess Who, and she oh. gave it to me. it's incredible. Okay, so that's so like shout yeah, out my sister in law. That is Nick way Lee. more dope than what I actually yeah, was expecting. Really, so really fresh. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did something like that once with uh, uh, when I was younger. We had um, this game called Concentration. Sort of, I think it was Concentration. I can't remember what it was. It was like this like big uh, sort of like square board, and it had like these things that you can flip over. All these like little squares on it. Um, and so you'd have to flip over two and like match them. And if you match them, you kept them over. Uh, and I think that the version that I had was like, I think it was a DC superhero type thing. And I hate to say this sort of now, but I went through, I think, and I cut up all a whole bunch of comics and made it into Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll break out our custom games. We'll, that'll yeah. be a whole other podcast. <laughs> so yeah, I just remember coming to your house because I had heard... Again, yeah, you're saying there was like three years 
and nothing had come mm-hmm. out. At this point, I had moved to Toronto. I was just sort of like meeting people. I was working at Silver Snail. After coming up here for years, I was finally like took the plunge. And I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna move here. You know, the dregs had kind of disbanded. Boo! And uh, we didn't make it on Basements of Batman One, I guess. You know? Well, if I would have known that Stewart was available, I <laughs> definitely. <laughs> had you ever heard that Stewart song? Oh like, yeah. Yeah. Did you ever hear that? Song? Um, I don't know. I don't know who it is that actually acquired it, but um, someone who was doing Lord Knows What had it, and, and it got played on there. So it is actually, I, I'm pretty That's sure... why I heard of the radio show, because maybe. you guys played Stuart. J.O. Smooth was also involved in the show for a while, so I don't know if it was him that brought it. Like I just remember it being Kotepo Megatron who probably put it on, but he was the guy who basically kind of controlled the whole booth, um, So especially when it came to the tapes, and that was probably where it came from, was on some like dub uh, so I'm assuming probably J.O. Smooth might have been the one who um, who brought it in for us. But I, I think that Kotep liked it, and I think that he would throw it on every once in a while. Because <laughs> I'm sure we played it more than once. It's a funny jam, and when yeah. I think how we it was recorded, Stuart. we recorded it. It was recorded in at my parents' place in like just like my like the family room <laughs> where I had all of the guys were hanging out. We literally wrote and recorded that song that night because our buddy Stuart was grounded. But <laughs> I think being caught drinking, we were all in the high school. That's awesome. <laughs> so we called him. He's like, I can't come out. I'm just watching Star Trek six. <laughs> <laughs> and which I think somebody even says that in the song. Um, it's like you went out last night and got your fix and, now you're grounded watching Star Trek oh, 6. Oh, I think some. I remember, yes. <laughs> There's some lyric like that. <laughs> yeah, the dregs. Uh, yeah. Oh, man. But I, so I moved to Toronto and was getting involved in sort of like the hip-hop scene, just trying to meet people, working at Silver Snail. And Rainbow Sun Franks, and f- who's in the oddities and was <laughs> also on Much Music, him and I were hanging out, and he was hanging out with Fritz the Cat. And that's actually when I first met Fritz. And I knew Fritz from In Divine... In Search of Divine Style, yep. Styler the magazine. And, of course, is, you know, just being the hip-hop dude for... He was writing for Vice. I yeah, he was writing time. for Vice as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He made and it so I couldn't write for Vice. Uh, I try, and they're like, we already have a hip-hop guy. Shout out yeah. Fritz, you know, what a, what a great guy. And you... He had said, oh, yeah, I'm working on some stuff for this new hand solo album, Basements of Batman 2. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, what? Because Basements of Batman 1 had such a huge, huge yeah. effect on me. And it just so happened that I had a demo of like five tracks. And I guess, did I literally just bring the CD I to your house? Yeah, I think yeah, that you, you just let came me over in with the and CD. we sat there and listened I think you, um, did, I'm trying to remember if you came, I think you came with somebody possibly, or there's somebody already over at my house um, that maybe you knew. You'll see her maybe? <sighs> I'm trying to remember. Did you know Van Gaal at that time? Yeah, I knew Van Gaal. Because yeah. I think it, I have a feeling it might have been Van Gaal, possibly. Van Gaal brought me over. Shout out. Those yeah, or he was there and you were coming over, uh, like you know, it was planned that way or something. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't think you were just there on your own. Wouldn't but I think it was stranger. with somebody. I no, I, I totally would have. I I've let lots of like the way I met the, <laughs> the way I met um, self help. 
was uh, he had contacted me saying that he was down with Toolshed, who I had reviewed and seen live a bunch of times and stuff, and he wanted to come by and, and just play me some of his music and stuff. And so, yeah, this, like, random dude I had never met otherwise came over to my house, and, and we hung out, and he played me some music, and... Um, we became friends from there. That's how you get on a label. Yeah. <laughs> you just ladies just show up at somebody's <laughs> house. No, you were so cool. And maybe had you just recently been married or uh, you got married in your backyard maybe? Yeah, so, I don't uh, I don't think I was married yet. Or maybe yet there was a picture. Point. I remember there being um, a picture. I think, whoa, this guy. I'm trying to remember. He's got uh, it together. It was a, he runs a label. He's married. married. <laughs> he got married in his backyard. This guy's together. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's living the dream. Yeah. He drinks Ooh. Coke every day. <laughs> <laughs> Two cans sometimes if he's really, really got the money. Yeah. Oh, wow. And then I think J.O. Smooth may have tipped the balance because I think you had wanted to pick another song from the, mm, from the demo. No, no I, that was the Well, one. let me tell you. I was sold right off the bat when you say Battlestar Galactica or something <laughs> like that. Uh, I remember going into the kitchen, and I, I don't know, was either making something or doing some dishes or whatever, and I was listening to the demo that you brought over, and during that song, I was just like, what? Yes! <laughs> and and I, that, that, that was really the selling point. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, I think I think I gotta put this one on. Uh, it was also uh, like, uh, for those who don't know, it was the word burglar song, like word burglar. Um, it was I, I thought it was just a really catchy song as well. So it, it seemed like, um, you know, there's a lot of like a lot of that album. Like I said earlier, was just a lot of really weird stuff on it. Um, and I think that word burglar was probably the least weird and it was like like in terms <laughs> of like looking back is funny yeah yeah i guess yeah <laughs> but you know it was kind of like this is the song that could maybe be the one that people would play on the radio and whatnot right like it seemed like okay this this is going to be the commercial jam <laughs> it kind of well honestly to this day there's people yeah. that first heard me from that rep record from yeah the, yeah the I, I mean it's sure. uh, I think it's definitely been a, a big track for sure and and I do think that it was um like on basins of bad men too it was really singled out a lot I think definitely dope so then and then that album also that's when I started really meeting all the London guys and like I had kind of met thesis before and you know the the backburner. There's early rumblings mm -hmm. of sort of the backburner crew was, and that would have been a lot of era. you also probably uh, performing at like in Divine Style and stuff like yeah. that, where a lot of like that was kind of like where a lot of that scene was sort of um, converging, I guess. Yeah, like, well, that's it. Thing, like yeah. all the backburner stuff was growing around that time, yeah. and we were all trying to get on basements of Bad Men, and then yeah, there's like you know the tool sh tool sheds on there. Yeah, a lot of them are. Yeah. Jesse's on there. Thesis. Uh, I think the verbals are maybe on a track. Uh, yeah, the opening track is, uh, uh, I, well, at the and time Fat he was Matt, Fat Chicano, but now, yeah, Fat Matt uh, and the verbals. Yeah, yeah the yeah. Uh, Halifax Takeover. That's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot, and that really, and honestly, I remember that release party, and there was a lot of, that really yeah. kick-started a lot of stuff for us. Oh, and cool. really got out us out to whole new audiences, and I wound up doing a whole tour after that oh nice because from the college and i remember I had to like rush and that's really my first release i rushed out with basically the five songs i had from a de the demo mm -hmm. and then like we 
whip up. That's I, the uh, the one with the black and white cover, right? Yeah, the very first yeah, album. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, uh, yeah, long, long, long out of print. Yeah, but it's we uh, we we need an anniversary edition at some point. <laughs> I've I've talked. Uh, there's been talks uh, with some of the guys on the, about that, but that really did kickstart things. And then I I remember going. I was, had to go on tour. I was like, well, I don't really have anything, so I I threw together that, that yeah, album. It's a good really thing. quick. You and threw then, together something quite quality in the end. Well, I appreciate yeah. that. And then we started building. We did the vinyl release. We did mm-hmm. Burglaritis, of course. And Burglaritis was really, for me, just... I was like, here, it's more than just the word burglar song. I can yeah. do all this other stuff. I, so that was sort of my, like, here, this is all the other stuff I do, too. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of yelling... I, I would uh, I would say, like, um, I, I think that the the most classic album on Han Solo Records is the first Basements of Bad Men, but then um, I would probably say the next would be Burglaritis. I think, um, and like wow, that, well that's, that's uh, I'm you know I'm very proud of it. And I'm glad people still enjoy it, and obviously I was a lot younger, and I listen to it now, and I think wow, like some of the rhymes I wrote on that, I was like. I was still like yeah. probably some of it was like from my rhyme book in high school that I was like perfecting and working towards. And yeah, but you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, uh, you're you're going to improve as as you continue to build, or let's hope you do anyway. I mean, it would be really sad if you were listening to that and it was just like, yeah, this sounds just as good as what I'm what I'm doing now. It's just like, well, what have you been doing for so long then? Like, you're you're not even like growing or building. So I mean, it, you know, it makes sense. It's just hopefully you don't go into the same route as like, you know, the Buck Sixty Fives and the Six Two, and be like, I don't want anyone to hear this ever again. It's so bad. It's like it's your roots, you know, and you can see the kernel of what you've become from that. I think. Well, what that was two thousand six. That was this yeah. time of year too. We're recording this now, August first. This is twenty. That was 2006. That was 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite a while I ago. I remember when you got... I didn't even have my own place. <laughs> when those came out, I remember you got the CDs, and I remember traveling. I was living with my aunt and uncle, and I remember... And they were living up in, like, North York. And I remember, like coming down... Oh, my God. <laughs> ...to your place when you, you were like, I got the boxes in. It was crazy. And I remember... And you were willing to come all that CD distance. And I couldn't believe how good it looked. Like I was so psyched that like Mike Holmes' art, like the yeah. colors, just it popped so much. Yeah, it definitely like, did. And, and I love that it was essentially it had two covers to it too. Yeah. You know, it's like ah, we'll make two covers. Let's put one on the inside. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the new records got. I've got something a little bit like that too. But yeah, Burglaritis was uh, it was a very exciting moment for me. So and thank oh, you. Excellent. And it's been an amazing thirteen years. But we're still going. So phase yes. two. Yeah. Enough about me on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but you're, you're a part of this, though. So It's yeah. great, man. This is great. So phase two, and then, yeah, there was, uh, like, uh, a lot of the Backburner releases. There was Touch. Yeah, there fa- was, phase uh, two was definitely, yeah, pretty pretty big mix of a bunch of different things all over the place. Um, you know, trying to... Um, the other Japanese group, before I forget, were... Uh, uh, Spiritual Juice. Spiritual Juice. Yeah. But wasn't there somebody... Well, um, on that album, w- the main person that I knew from Spiritual Juice was uh, a guy named uh, Atom. Atom. Uh, and so um, Spiritual Juice had broke up by the time of uh, of that album. So I just have um, 
think it's just a solo. Tr- no, actually, no. He is on that. It is a spiritual juice song. Um, I think Atom is just on uh, Hokey Religions and Ancient Weapons. Was him and like a uh, guy from his new group. Uh, he ended up doing a group called Suika. Which is a dope mixtape too. If anybody, oh. anyone listening, like all the stuff we're li- we're mentioning, I hope you go back and and dig and through the And it's free to download. Catalog. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I haven't listened to that in a long time. Me neither. There's some, yeah, there's some good stuff on there. There's some like, yeah, really good. Some weird remixes and yeah, 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 and stuff. some like yeah, some uh, it's got a little little bit of like older, a few like older classics on it. Yeah, and. Uh, and then, yeah, like some of the instrumentals that were from the vinyl releases and stuff with like new raps over it from other people, I guess what would be called dubs yeah. and stuff. So, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was an interesting collection, just kind of trying to show some of, I guess, what was on the label up to that point and where yeah. we were going to be going. Is that in Hidden Fortress too, right? Uh, yeah, Hidden Fortress came out, I think, within that phase too, yeah. Um, they weren't on the. Uh, I don't think they were, they definitely weren't on the compilation or on the mixtape, but yeah, I made made contact with them. Um, they were uh, one of many artists that I think have reached out to me because of my writing. Um, you know, I, I've, a lot of times I find uh, when I used to do a lot of reviews and I review albums by a few, say like a couple of albums um, by like one artist over time, and then that person was about to release something, where am I going to release it? Oh, Tom! He really seemed to enjoy my last two albums, according to the reviews that he wrote. So let's reach out to him and see if he'll release it on hand solo. And so I get a lot of, of that kind of thing. So that's your trick. Yeah, that was how I found <laughs> That was how, well, I mean, like, you know, I mean, obviously a group like Hidden Fortress, you know, I, I can't go to Vancouver and discover them or like, you know, see them. So, um, you know, uh, I'm getting them this way through like demo, I guess not even really demos, their albums to review and things. And so uh, it makes it, I guess, easier for them to reach out. And I've already heard some of the stuff. And yeah, I, you know, I like the last two albums that they had sent over that I reviewed. So just, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely, you know, work with you. It doesn't happen as much now because I'm not writing anymore. Um, but I do prefer sort of the method and how I kind of discovered Ultra Magnus or, you know, decided to sign him, uh, which was just, seeing him do a dope live show, you know, and, and being like, yeah, this is a guy who... Yeah, $5 rap show. It's been a bit $5 of the... $5 rap uh, show. You've, you've got the first dibs on anybody, anybody that yeah. comes through there, right? Yeah. I remember when afterwards I was like, put this guy's album out. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and I mean, like, the thing for him was, like, he did... Uh, he did... Uh, I can't remember if it was Chokes or Tim's release party. At $5 uh, $5 rap, rap show. show was awesome. And then the next month, he was again the opener... For the other person's, uh, whether it was Tim or Choke, on their release, like their new release, and so it's just like, yeah, he'd done two release parties as openers, blew it away both times. After seeing him the second time, it was like, yeah, it's a no-brainer. I got to do some stuff with this guy, and I think he's still probably the only person who's performed two times in a row uh, for Five Dollar Rap Show. Other than Les and I. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, you guys are there all the time, so. You've probably beat him many, many times. Well, we're the uh, we're the trifecta for those listening who've never been to a five dollar rap show. We're now in, we're in our ninth year. I'm sorry you haven't been able to see such awesomeness. Yeah, it's Tom and Les and I holding it down every every Woo-hoo. show. And yeah, I mean that's been a great thing about it. Yeah. Just seeing, and I, again, I've said that before here and other places. Just seeing different people connect and meet at shows, and then put out an album or get signed to a label or go on tour yeah. together or do tracks together. I mean, well, I've yeah, met I, so I, many people through through that night and it's just been, it's a great community uh, event 
and it's it is for us and for like the underground hip hop yeah. and it's definitely inspired like shout out to Addy and Fritz and Alexis and everybody for in divine style. Yeah, I was so yeah, I was really long. thinking it it seems to have that kind of um sort of family connection I guess or whatever. Uh the uh the one thing that I would say that I really like more about like that $5 rap show um, has improved on from uh, In Divine Style is the thing that always kind of bothered me is like the, the freestyle sessions that they would have there where they just kind of got out of, uh, out of control and they would sometimes have like an artist, like a group on there that would just bring everybody of their friends up on stage. So it's just like, you know, 10 people all like on that little tiny tiny stage, each of them trying to rap, talking over each other because they all think like, you know, oh, let's all talk at the same time. Um, and I, I like that we we tend to have a little bit more control in that kind of way. Yeah, we learn that from yeah. In Divine Style. Yeah. And I mean, Les has no, a famous old track about it, Yo, Let My Boy Rap. I yes. Mean, that's like the whole thing. That's why we haven't done an open mic. And obviously, yeah, we do the freestyles because that's part of what we yeah. do and that's what I love to do and, and it's great, but we... But they, they seem to have more structure to them. Like yeah, it's, having but an basically open the people mic that are like rapping problems. are the people who uh, were rapping that night. You know, yeah. not like just some random dude that comes on stage from the audience or something like That's that. You know, like quality control. Rap show. Yeah. It's a show. It's a yeah. pre-booked show. Like people exactly. show up. They're like, oh, so anyone can rap? No. Yeah, this I always love those people <laughs> who like show up on the day of and they're like, dude, man, can I get up there and rap? It's like. No. No, it's like we book everybody like, yeah. months in advance. Like, and send us something so we can hear what you sound like, first yeah. of all. Like, <laughs> come on, man. We have a very, very tough screening process. Yeah. yeah. We want to hear a song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you have to have written a song. Yeah. Uh, do some performances. No, we are, you know, for anyone mm-hmm. listening who is wants to play, yeah, just record some stuff. Just record something. Try and yeah. do some shows. Do some stuff Talk first. over a beat and let's see what happens. No, you know, yeah, we. Uh, I don't. I don't like it to be anyone's first show. I don't yeah. think we've had anyone. Have. No, I don't think so. No, it's. it's uh, I mean, you know, I, I like it uh, that we. The uh, audience expects quality, a certain amount. I, of quality. Yeah, I think so. And I think that we have a good mix of uh, people that come out. Where you know we've got like the vets that have been doing it for a while, and we like to present some like people who are who are new to the show. Um, you know, and I think that a lot of times they, they come into the family and we'll come back and, you know, we have a lot of repeat people because I think that, um, yeah, it's just a nice vibe to, to be there. And, and the artists all connect together and, like, it's great to sort of uh, see the networking work where, um, you know, someone might come out not have ever known anybody um, and they do a good show and they come out more often and they're working with each other that's there. Uh, to me, it's just, yeah, it's a beautiful thing to, to kind of see. And I, and I like the experience of like being there and discovering new people that I've never seen before and being like, yeah, this person was dope and I've never heard of them before. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so only five bucks. It's only five bucks. Always only five dollars. More rap than you pay for. Mm-hmm. Love that tagline. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we got uh, phase. So phase two. Wh- where do you think phase two ended? Um, <clears throat> I mean, in a way, I guess I would almost say phase two goes up to. Uh, it's a pretty l- kind of like more long one. Uh, I would probably put it up to like the next basements of Bad Men three, um, which at that point, uh, with basements of Bad Men three, I mean, it, at that point, it, it's not so much um, a, a change in what the music is about so much as like at that point in time it became more uh 
kind of about the business part of it, I guess, where it was like, all right, let's kind of start putting out more music and let's, you know, be uh, be a little more out there, you know, like putting out a couple of albums a month or a year makes it, uh, I think it's difficult to really be noticed a lot, you know, it's just like every six months you get a hand solo album, it's just people are going to easily forget about it and stuff, and so I just kind of wanted to get out there more consistently, be in people's faces a little bit more often, and, and I think that that kind of starts around the time of like Basements of Bad Men 3. Yeah, it's great. Basements of Bad Men 3. And so you had the big launch party for that. And that's really kicked off this new, yeah, this yeah. latest era where, yeah, you, you've been as prolific as ever. Tons yeah. of great new stuff. Um, it's really difficult to stop. Well, so where are you going? What's coming up next? Like, what's uh, where do you see phase three into phase four? What's Because uh, um, there's got to be a phase four, right? Yeah, but I'm sure that probably isn't going to happen for a little while. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we you know, still I've, got plenty of time. I've, yeah, I've only I've only been in phase three for a short little while. If we count basements, <laughs> you're of just three. figuring things yeah. out now. Yeah, phase three is where you really figure it out. It, it kind of, kind of to a degree in a way. Like, um, I mean, right now uh, I'm releasing. Like I said, trying to be kind of consistent with things and getting a bunch of stuff out there. Um, I think where I want to go next is maybe. Uh, I'll probably slow down a little bit on the releases um, and uh, kind of solidify a particular um, uh, roster, I guess, of artists and, and uh, just try to like work consistently with them um, and uh, try to focus on that a lot more and just kind of like, okay, these are, these are the people that I think we can work together to be able to make that happen and, and do it well and try to like build this stuff um <clears throat> i think sometimes in the past i've like just released albums that i just really like just for the sake of being able to release an album and um in some cases it's i'm not able to give it the proper promo that it deserves um you know like you know that's another thing like do i want to continue to put out those kind of things that are more like my like pet projects things that i'm putting out just because i really like them but you know probably aren't going to really advance the label or the artists themselves, you know, I, d I don't, yeah. That makes total sense to me, to have a strong roster of people who are, you know they're going to be actively doing stuff and hungry to put stuff out, and you're supporting, and you, you've put out a lot of great stuff. And yeah, I'm ex totally excited for, for the, the roster you've got together and what's going to happen with Han Solo in the future. Did you ever predict that stuff was going to go digital, like, as far as no. it has? No. Um, I mean, I, I, when I first started this, doing this thing, that really wouldn't have been anything that was in my mind. Um, I mean, otherwise, I probably would have been uh, more careful to try to uh, get, like, a <clears throat> that into a deal with, say, like, buck 65. Like, um, I mean, I could just... It would be amazing if, like that Wildlife 12-inch, those songs were available um, online, and if they were on Spotify, for example. Like, so, yeah. I mean, if I had known ahead of time, maybe uh, you know, could take advantage of some of that stuff to get some of the digital out there. So, like, a lot of the the very early releases are uh, are no longer available. Like, uh, pretty much anything from Suicidal Soul and before, uh, aside from, I guess, uh, Cock Dynamics, everything else is just not really available which is unfortunate. Yeah, well, just because you mentioned some of the older 
releases. Sure. Obviously, being a fan of those older releases. But not the newer releases. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right. right. And I'm uh, cool with that. But let's go back. Let's just go back in time for a second. Around that era, like, the basements, like, take me through that. Like, when that album launched, I want to know, like, like, what was, did you have a plan in place? Was it just like, let's put this out in stores? Was there... Like what? What did people think yeah. of it? Like, were there were what were the reviews like? Did people? Um, there was pretty good coverage back then. Uh, I think it was because Vice was national then. Um, we got it in Halifax. Yeah, Vice. At, at the time, it was still when Vice was like a newspaper-sized yep. kind of thing. Um, I know they were definitely across Canada. Um, they were probably into the states too, because I'm pretty sure they had to change. Like, I think when they first started, they were maybe called. I think. Uh, I think they were called Voice when they first started out, but then there was the problem with like Village Voice or something like that in New York or something, so they were forced to have to change their name to Vice. Um, so, I mean, obviously it must have been getting a little bit further than just sort of in Canada. Um, uh, I also, um, my it was around this time, like after Basements of Bad Men came out, that I actually, I took my first trip down to New York. And... Uh, I brought the CD down with me to try to see if I could get it into some stores. Um, so uh, I, I went into a number of record stores in New York, and uh, I'm sorry to say I probably got laughed out of most of them. <laughs> not not they a single. They didn't know you were ahead of you were ahead of the time. Well, yeah, not a, not a single store in New York was like, yeah, we'll we'll take a. A copy or two. I mean, when you think about what was going on in New York, though, at 90s, yeah. it was like, that's crazy. Well, yeah, they would put it on, and obviously, you know, I think the first song on the album is like Buck 65. Well, actually, I guess after the elevator music thing that's Joe Run, I think it's like a Buck 65 song. Um, and, you know, so it's just like, yeah, it's not the rugged beats. It's not, you know, rapping about street stuff. Um, it, it just totally didn't fit what they were interested in. Uh, I mean, it's understandable. I, I, I get it, but it was just like, you know, that was kind of what I was sort of dealing with it. Uh, you know, the music I was making wasn't really always appealing to the regular crowds, I guess. Yeah. And then did you deal with a lot of the online stuff like uh, Sandbox, Automatic, or uh, Hip Hop Infinity, uh, or um, ATAC? Remember ATAC? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't... Th- I, I don't think... That anything was available through Hip Hop Affinity, I'm not, I can't remember exactly, but yeah, uh, I dealt with like uh, Sandbox, Automatic, um, Revolver was around that time, also in a similar kind of thing. Attack did uh, did sell some stuff. Um, I definitely got stuff off Attack back. Yeah, in the day. yeah, yeah. They were yeah, really good. Of good stuff. Um, and then, yeah, there was like you know there was a number of um, uh, of independent distributors that would pick up your stuff and take it. I mean, some of them were kind of jerks and not paying you after the fact but um you know you could get your music out there like i i the music was available through a lot of distributors and now it's just like good luck trying to find somebody to distribute your stuff yeah it's those sites difficult. were so fascinating i remember going some of them would even list how many copies they had like we have three copies of this uh, yeah we have eight copies of this tape <laughs> yeah <laughs> what am yeah. i ordering and then it was, i'd be like oh man i gotta get a money order together exactly and call, you'd have to call them up They'd put the stuff aside. I'm like, I want like the Scarab CD, and uh, do you have Log Cabin? Uh, what else you got? Oh, you got like Rasco or whatever, whoever it was. Yeah. And then like, you'd get like these limited copies of stuff. And I still have like some pretty early crazy uh, releases from that ah, stuff. Nice. But 
but yeah, I remember maybe it was Sebi Tones popped up on one of them. Um, the Sebi Tone Def 12 inch. Oh, that's cool. It was on that appeared on one of those sites. Yeah, I would be willing, like, I, I would be very surprised if it wasn't on Attack. Yeah. Um, but probably I would think like Sandbox would have picked that's it up. That's probably how stuff. I found Attack at one point. But and then they'd have stuff, and you're like, wait, we can't even find this tape in Halifax. And like, oh, nice. Or you'd go, the weird, I remember going to like Taz and there were tons of sebutone deaf records oh what and it was the white label with the sticker on it uh yeah 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 i've got uh mine's all black yeah actually i was lucky enough too to kind of be connected at that time and i got a whole bunch of the stickers as well oh yeah yeah so uh, my ghetto blaster is that a word that we still use these days um it has a really cool uh sebutone sticker on it I, I actually, what's really funny is my Sebutone sticker is over top of my Joe Run sticker. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> I had like the Joe Run Pac-Man one with like the little ghost or whatever, and and then I was just like, oh uh, yeah, they're beefing. I gotta put the Sebutones over top of here. Oh, no. <laughs> and now I feel like, oh crap, I don't have like I can see the edge of the Joe Run sticker, and every time I'm like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you're always talking about Basements of Batman 1, but Basements of Batman 2, mm-hmm. which obviously we talked about a little earlier. Yeah. What are your recollections when that dropped? Like any any um, fun memories, how that came together, how you were getting it out? Because that was really like right before stuff started going digital, right? It was still a couple yeah. of years, maybe about two or three years before everybody was going digital. Yeah, um... I do remember, like, when I was working on that album, oh, my God, this is actually really weird. Um, That was the time, like, uh, I broke my elbow really badly at that point in time um, and and had to go in for some pretty big surgery and stuff. Uh, I do remember, though, uh, like, after I broke my elbow, I went into emergency, and there was no room like no beds available in the hospital. So uh, I wasn't able to get in to have my surgery. So they basically um, just kind of put me in a temporary um, cast and and sent me home. Uh, And so I was working on trying to get the album cover for Basements of Bad Men 2 done. uh, So I couldn't waste time. And so this guy who was like working on it, I, I basically... Uh, went over to his place that night and, and sat there and uh, we were working on the stuff and he had a dog and the dog kept trying to jump at me and it kept on like startling me which kept making me shake a little bit and kept causing my elbow to hurt like hell <laughs> and, and it was just like it was the weirdest time and then uh, I don't know if it was maybe because I didn't have enough time to be able to deal with it I am 100% not happy with how that cover turned out, the original one, which is why I did a re-release of it with a new cover. Uh, I don't think that Self Help, who drew the cover, was very happy with it either. It uh, it was really weird because it was like basis of Batman in pastel colors, and it was just like, how is that Batman? <laughs> but it was like there was no option to be able to do anything else at that point in time, so we just kind of had to go with the flow. That is really the main thing that I kind of remember with that release. Um, I don't remember really how it was accepted. I think it was all right, but um, because it was a lot of like just really weird rap, um, I think some people like some songs and maybe not all the songs. And like, um, well, that's s- what a compilation is. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, it's and and jam packed, right? It was, I think it was like twenty yeah, it was, tracks. Or so something. I think yeah, it was around twenty, yeah. little maybe slightly over twenty tracks. 
Um, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it definitely, there were some really cool things as well for me that kind of came out of it and stuff. But um, I, I think when I, like, I'm not sure that it's the, it kind of, I guess, in a way is the most abstract of the music that's maybe on the label, um, at least like when looking at some of the, the stuff that's on it. Um, and I don't know if maybe that's something of an impact. Like, you know, it was kind of like when I was doing that, I was sort of into my weirdest music at that point in time. And, and so I think that that affected sort of what's there. And so um, it's a lot more of a, of a niche kind of music than maybe a lot of the other stuff on the label, which is odd considering, you know, there's a lot of really like nerdcore kind of stuff on it, on the label and things. And to kind of say this is much more niche than that. Um, but yeah. I, yeah, um, do you feel you were putting out some nerdcore stuff before nerdcore really became a thing? Like yeah, now I that think you so. mentioned nerdcore, I mean that's obviously yeah. like nerdcore has become a big uh a whole big subgenre of uh underground hip hop and and music in general, right? So Yeah. That's and definitely like you you know worked Well, I mean the nerdcore scene I, I would lot. definitely I mean I I would say burglaritis. I mean that's Definitely got some nerdcore aspects to it. I mean, um, maybe not as uh, heavily as some of your like your newer stuff, which um, you know I think now you've probably felt more able and open to embrace that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, there's stuff like that. Um, I, I don't know if we would consider if we could consider this really that way, but I, I do think that Buck Sixty Five very much falls within that category and a lot of stuff. Like, um, I, I remember not really something like, I mean, I guess the Wildlife Trilogy, I mean, that's pretty nerdcore, right? I mean, you know, it's like three songs about a dream that he had, essentially, that was like a pretty weird-ass dream. Um, you know, um, camping and I'm riding my bike and stuff. Like, I mean, that gets into some pretty nerdcore kind of stuff or nerdy things. Um, but... Uh, I remember he recorded a song that was supposed to go, I think it was going to be on an Anticon thing, and he was really excited for me to hear it because he was like, what he wanted me to hear was the one line on it where it was like um, something about, I put on my Hercules ring or something like that. Like, And he was just, it was that nerdy, that little nerdy line that he knew that I would love, right? And, <laughs> and uh, that was the main thing. He just wanted me to hear about it. So, you know, I do think that that he kind of was... Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously it, it's, you know, there's a little more of a focus now and it's like the, the stuff, the nerdy stuff is like more obviously nerdy in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing I've talked about it many times before that I just feel with the whole nerdcore thing, I was just rap, like, <laughs> I just want to make good rap yeah. and I am nerdy and we're nerdy and we right. should and, and I mean, Like and when you mentioned, yeah. you mentioned wildlife and I'm like, well, that's just good creative rap to yeah. me. And it's just something different. Exactly. And it's what you want. So if nerdcore is different, that's great. And yeah, I'm happy to be considered nerdcore exactly. sometimes. But I'm always, always say I'm a rapper first. Yeah. And I'm just. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I'm just being as honest about my uh, what I'm into as anybody else. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think first and foremost, it's rap, right? And I mean, you know, and uh, there there may be some kind of, um, you know potentially, I guess, subgenre within that, but to me, it's just, yeah, if, it, if it's good, it's good. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, I love nerdy things, so, yeah, if it's got that kind of subject matter and it, it's it's good, then, 
I'm, I'm totally into it. Like, um, I, I know I often mention your uh, G.I. Joe album. Um, you know, that's nerdy, it's but it's just a Cobra really album, dope. Everybody. Sorry, yes, Cobra <laughs> album. But, you know, the. <laughs> If I say Cobra, people are just going to think it's a snake album. <laughs> so that that's album you did about the, the snakes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just like, you know, uh, that's obviously uh, a nerdcore album because of, like, its subject matter. But um, more importantly, it's just a dope rap album. And, and you know, I, I find it a little more appealing because it's something that I can relate to a little more. But... I, I don't think that that's the most important factor of it. I think, you know, if it was something I could relate to, but it was garbage, that's not going to do me any good. And I listen to a lot of rap that's great that's not nerdcore. So, you know, it's just, to me, it's all about some just good rap. Right on. Well, thank, I mean, yeah, and that's just, I just wanted to make a really good rap album that I wanted to listen to about it. And to me, it just made sense. That yeah. It, it would work. You know? I, and, I, and I've told and if you anything, this. it's more like a, I'm probably more channeling Wu-Tang than anything else. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, for me, hearing that album was like, there was stuff in it that, you know, I, I, I wasn't familiar with exactly, but it really inspired me to be like, I want to read these comics again. And, and yeah, I went through them and I, I read the Marvel run and then I just kept going and going. Like, I'd only really read, not even all of it, but, a, you know, a good portion of the Marvel run when I was younger. And, and, in the end, I have, I think, probably read most of the G.I. Joe comics now. Um, <laughs> well, they're even, dope comics, yeah. so that's awesome. Well, even some of the really, you know, getting into, like, the really, um, when they were in those, like, small, I don't even remember some of the, the stupid comic book companies that they belonged to for the while, where they were doing just really weird reimaginings of it and stuff, but... Uh, it was still great they're to see. They're all here on the shelf, nice. yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I mean, clearly they're pretty good, and they had a huge effect on me as a kid. Yep. So, and, uh, and into my, but that's the big thing, right? It's like, why do we have to abandon the things that we liked when we were younger? I, I was agree. listening to rap. I was listening to Public Enemy when I was like nine years old. Yeah. And I still love Public Enemy. Well, and, and I mean, like, you <laughs> I'm know. I'm not going to stop loving rap. And, and, I mean, and I mean, like, uh, I think looking at rap is like one thing, but like even just like, you know, I think a lot of people kind of feel like, oh, well, comic books are children's things. Like they're drawings with these like, with words. And, and it's just like, you I should. what you did there. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's just like, at some point, you know, like you're supposed to grow up and, and, and stop with that. But it's just like, but why? I mean, at the same time, it's a book. So, you know, like I'm, I'm reading, I'm, getting something interesting out of it. It's an enjoyable kind of thing. And so, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm glad that we don't really have to grow out of that kind of stuff. You know, like, it's great. I don't We're see still why we doing it. It's keeping yeah. us young. I mean, you look like a baby. I know. Your birthday's and coming and it's, up. It's all because I read a comic a day. <laughs> Keeps I guess me that's young. my secret, too. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go, people. Do not bother with an apple a day. You want to read one comic a day. Yeah. Escape reality as much as <laughs> <Yes>. possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so yeah, you can use your comics to escape reality and then uh, go back to some public enemy to get back into reality. <laughs> Are you experienced? Have you been through the war yet? Have you turned cold like the hardest of the hard get? Tracking the targets, trying to get the quotas filled. Fresh kills, blood spills, drunk on pills. Crush it up, crush it up, line it up.
some concrete lawns that rock hard. Write these deadbeat songs and stock cars up in blocks in the front yard. This is Trailer Park Hip Hop, episode deuce. No microphone juice. Catch a boot to the head, put four on the floor. Rock this Metal Gear Solid, cause I always want more. I need an easy come down, cause it gets so Let's go ahead and get all kind of bad shit crazy. Amaze me with self-destruction, then try to save me. Cause Lord knows, I need all kinds of saving. Cause I got no savings and a whole lot of cravings. They ring my bell and keep knocking on my door. Like the ghost up in my house, I keep walking on my floor. They freak me out cause they're creaking on the floorboard. Shivers up my spine like I'm rolling with some warlords. Drink some blood, eat some flesh, coke, and puff puffs. I did my best to stay away from all that rough stuff. But when it got me, it got me real good. It propped me up and knocked me down like a real friend should. I need yeah. it easy, come down, cause it gets so high. It's a lie like heaven waiting up in the sky. Give me an easy, come up, cause it gets so low. I got this angel on my shoulder, but it's all for show. And I'll come down when I wanna come down. And I'll stay up if I wanna get up. Cause the freaks come out after sundown And that's when I wanna go catch a run around And if you see me out there on the sunset Baby, make your move, don't live your life of regrets Cause we work so hard in life so long That's why I speak my mind in these mindless songs Like Greek fest, smoking like. 
girls in Queen Street West. Dip, dip, dive, I'm swimming to Shanghai. How cool look, mom, I'm in a rank high. Got the women on standby waiting just to talk to me about my feminist philosophy. When you learn to help, the girls to melt. With the racks are hot, the bra burns itself. Yeah, we turn it out. And he's the only thing we're concerned about. That's it. I'm about to win in one turn. Lamping on a rock with my skin all sunburned. Yeah, when she's on the rock, if it's on the couch, it's a tip of my tongue, putting words in your mouth. Uh -huh. Sweatshop, got me in a headlock. We let it pop till the block is red hot. Next stop, chopping heads out. Wanna get props, hit the guy with a guest spot. I'm lazy, so I rock my mind down. Spinning with passes, just hoping y'all can feel it. That's all I'm asking. 25 degrees and the sun is blasting. Basketball jerseys is still the fashion. I don't even know if they heard me laughing. Like the smirk on their mouth for the dirty neck. And Jay Busy got skills, I'm a world champion. I'm living in a sauna and not a man. When Tim's on the beat, even in the heat, I got Tim's on my feet. Over zebra stripes from the sandal steeds. Believe the hype from the scandal sheets. You get damned on the beat. Our tongue, it's gonna be a high one. Got drunk last night, but I'm not done. Shotgun, don't forget some. Rope pops, stop, cop tons. Ultraviolet, violent outcomes. Get that SPF, get sun. Son, you learned a lesson. Sir, yes, certs need extra resin. So, who's bringing the heat? The melts popsicle peats and the liquidy treats. Picture the feet and a kick of my feet. Take a trip to the beach and chill with the beats. It's all day afternoon, the back room. Be back from the jack to whack the tap room. The back rooms with slap hands. Back to bruise, fabricate rap tunes that you can't produce. Come on, come on. Plus the hits ends, and all we want is you to hold the hit in your hands. That's right. 
I'm in the woods again, a dam of the strains. I gain considerable fame in these parts from a shot fired to the mic range. Night games with Stephen Quest of what I'm doing when I ain't hitting mics. And do I have a light in my life? All this, if y'all been listening, I done stayed in verses. Here's my positioning. I put a damper on my out there in this. Cause your awareness is weird. To Mr. Moke, I wanna coast in the clear. When I step in. Tell me what I've been saying. I ain't been blowing smoke, so you ain't been knowing moke, chump. That big old throat lump. I'm nervous, but what I'm thinking, good. Cause in this neck of the woods, anything suckers do can become a song. But ain't so becoming to the reppy. So you can try to act heavy, but let me be. Life's too short to add the extra strep on top of what I already got. It's already hot enough in this kitchen. The only room to slide to is home on the long mile range where nobody slides through. I smoke on the front steps with nobody pointing. A solemn little slice of enjoyment. Drip drop, steadily keeping an open eye out for anything seemingly out of place. Always in sync with the instrument. 
Hawkins and loving the thought of outer space. Watching the sky for shooting stars or anything else that's interesting. The creature box contains the keys. Don't take my words and follow me. Disregard the people who entice you to the negative or anyone who tries to make you do something you don't want to. They're the ones who want you as an underdog under the feet. Let them fantasize about anything they want to. Back in perspective, I've collected such experience. The problems of society are far from the mysterious. It takes a couple clever minds to work together over time and trample on the idiotic symbiotic waiting line. Just push over the barriers, letting intelligent light illuminate eyes. The rest of the story's up to you, my friend. Don't let them stay disguised. of how we were constantly checking our wallets for other people's opinions thought of how we contribute to the everyday insanity in everybody's life falls too short of reality quality all we need is a sideways politician or a guest
stepped into the yard coming straight from the store Walked across the tracks to the fourth line Where I found a grayscale freighter standing still like an open book Blank page, time for me to get front page I took all my cans out of my bag, set them on the ledge Popped off the tops, put new caps in the ends Opened up my book, found the design I was looking for Shook the can, started laying lines upon the floor Stepped back to check perspectives and the way my outlines look Compared them to my book, whack crews get the style Shook when I cook, took another can out to start my fill Thought of color chemist with the color chemistry skills Stars and swirls, ill fills are my specialty The remedy, all these whack taggers remember me When I start my ill mission, I boost cans from the store Then hit the yards to bomb on the line called the four The fourth line, bombing on the line called the four Increase the pressure, we don't want them no more. The fourth line, bombing on the line called the four. Increase the pressure, increase the pressure. The fourth line, bombing on the line called the four. Increase the pressure, we don't want them no more. The fourth line, I'm bombing on the line called the four. Increase the pressure, increase the pressure. My fill was finished, cans diminished to the halfway point Started my character, this piece was gonna be the joint Alright, custom white and beige flesh tone, I'm almost home free Another hour, F-A-M-E, layer upon layer of colors and lines Now it's time to start my outline, check the runs one more time Another can, a few more marks and I'm finished Our time flies when you're bombing 6.26 a.m. the time when I was stopping The sun was coming up so I could beat my master Please I release the way TDB won't cease Increase the pressure on these whack crews Cause we don't want them no more I represent to the fullest on the line called the four huh? The whack crews, we don't want them no more So now I'm out to bomb strictly on the line called the four The fourth line, bombing on the line called the four Increase the pressure, we don't want them no more The fourth line City, Sea of Cortez, City of Juarez. I got an old homie that lived near Laredo. Conversation short, I didn't know the etiquette. She told me she lived six weeks in Connecticut. She said she loved the snow and wanted to go back soon. If you like Hartford, you should see Saskatoon. Walk in chocolates, careful after dark. You're marked for pickpockets if you dress like I do. Black in the summer, hat for the heat. Don't like Saskatoon rap, I'll take it back to the streets. I got a sunburn on my neck as I walk the beach. And parts of my back that my hand doesn't reach. I used to be back by a band, now I'm back by a geek. In the Bay of Acamel, the guards pack heat. 
spoiled fresh I get whatever I want for free Girl guide cookies and mechanical bull rides But still times are tough and I'm hoping in fact That I can make enough dough to pay the opening act But you always call in the family And we offer ourselves interests in each other's projects in 12 inches And then sell the wax in Halifax And give copies away to selected connections I.E. colon the underground press And DJs considered cool if you will That dropped out of school if you will In the deep end of the pool if you will We make the space between the cracks wider and soon we will swallow any heretic or backslider with promotional bullshit items on the racks you see him hang me an effigy in the hall of fame wax museum yeah fuck you in the brushes you paint with cause you look like shit you smell like shit but you know what you still ain't shit i got five essential vitamins